0: Brandon Cutler here from AEW, and I hope you guys have an awesome podcast with the Monster Cast. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross App Fightful here. You're watching the Monster
1: Cast with Jack and Ryan. A big shout out to those fellas. Good people.
0: Check them out. of the monster cast the straight edge monster jack and ryan hello everybody and we are back what a comeback it is it's season four of the monster cast and just like the jaguars came back yesterday the chances of us getting a title from triple h is just as high as tony khan's uh this is a huge show we didn't uh stream last week we had the uh Wrestle Kingdom stuff. We didn't even do the predictions either because we didn't have time. Uh, Ryan was busy, uh, but he said that was gonna happen during the uh, Monster Awards show too. So, um, so our last show was obviously Monster Awards 2022. We are now officially in 2023, and holy shit, dude! It's only the 15th, and we already have match of the year. We already have uh, debut of the year. Possibly, we already have. Uh, uh, We've already got a. Uh, crazy shit away from like behind the scenes of the year they oh me my goodness vince coming back possibly is up there as well um even though it's funny because in tongue-in-cheek we were like oh yeah he's he's not actually leaving he's not gonna come back but then when it happened it was still like holy fuck what in the hell is going on how are people letting this happen we're gonna get into all of this stuff but first uh we have to talk about that moment obviously what was your immediate immediate thoughts here as we go to hot tag topics for the first time in 2023? Vince McMahon announces his return or his his desire to return to the board so that he could uh, do the whole negotiations um, with po- a possible sale, and then of course the TV deal rights as well. All the way up to the point where he even wanted to bring back uh, was Barrios, right? Barrios and somebody else. It did the two down. people that got released, the two people that got released just weeks ago. Uh, he wanted them back on the board. He gets back on the board. Two people that were just hired on the board stepped down from the board. And then another big step down we'll talk about later. Um, but now he is literally back technically in charge. And not, not that he was ever out of charge. If you pay attention to everything, he has what, 83% of the voting power or whatever? It's,
1: eight, it's at least 88.
0: Um, so he uh he somehow weasled his way back into this and now there's been all hand on decks meetings with the actual talent and with Triple H ever since, um, to try to put people's minds at ease, but it's not working. It's not working at all, dude. And then of course the big the biggest part of this where it blew up uh prematurely, I might add, is the Saudis possibly Getting it, like I mean, the whole Twitter meltdown. Like we thought Twitter was going to melt down when Sasha showed up in New Japan. It was nothing like this. When it was announced that the Saudis were uh, agreed in principle to a deal to buy WWE, uh, everything just fucking shut down on the internet. Uh, so, what is your thought process right now, and um, the way that you're the, the way that you're seeing and taking everything as it comes out, as far as the news going with uh, the sale, with Vince coming back, all that kind of shit. I
1: wasn't surprised when. He tried to reclaim control or whatever. It's like, yeah, of course, it's, he owns 80% of the company. Uh, he had already said, like, I think it was like two weeks ago, um, there was a report that came out that said that he felt like he shouldn't have stepped down and that he was given bad advice. Um, it wasn't bad advice. It was actually really good advice. You should have fucking stepped down. You had multiple sex scandals and payout scandals and all kinds of stuff. 100% of stepped down. Um, but he felt like he got bad advice. So... As soon as that report came out, I was like, this motherfucker might be trying to come back because you don't have that mentality and 80% of the controlling interest in a company and not just trying to put yourself back on the board. Like, that's just, it it seemed to make sense to me that that's where it was going. Um, That is where it ended up going. Uh, As far as all the sales stuff, the Saudi stuff was premature, but also wasn't, it's not like they don't necessarily have something like a verbal kind of whatever. Um that didn't come out of nowhere. That was a lot of smoke for there being no fire. Uh it wasn't just one report either. Uh there was a guy there's a guy on I know this is gonna sound like okay, who cares? But there is a guy on Reddit, uh who's Kermit, I think one Kermit one twenty five or some shit, who's broken a lot of stuff in the past. Like he's got he's got some source. Nobody knows what the source is, but he's spoiled a lot of stuff, he's broken a lot of stuff prematurely. Um and he said, you know, the the sale is pretty much a done deal, not entirely, but it's pretty much a done deal. So it would not be surprising to me if this was kind of leaked as sort of a temperature gauge, like, hey, how are people going to react to this? How is talent going to react to it? Whatever. If there was some kind of uh, conversation that was already had. A lot of people that I read talking about this on Twitter, they don't know shit about incorporated companies in Delaware. Um, And... The Delaware stand, like I, I, it's some crazy number. It's like half of all, corp, all of all major corporations are incorporated in Delaware. And the reason is they have like a, a very strict set of guidelines to follow for shareholders, it makes them feel more comfortable when the company is incorporated in Delaware. Uh, one of those is fiduciary responsibility. And fiduciary responsibility is basically any action that you take as a company or as the head of a company or as a controlling interest of a company, whatever, has to be uh, legally, like you're liable for this, it has to be legally the best move that you can make to maximize profits for your shareholders. Like if you do something that's just completely fucking stupid and tank the company, you are not meeting your fiduciary responsibility if they can prove that a reasonable reasonable person would have known that this would have been bad for shareholder value. Um, And you see a lot of people talking about like, oh, well, He can't do this. He doesn't. He's not allowed to do that. It's like he's allowed to do 100% of those things, as long as he has an argument that it's maximizing shareholder value. Uh, Since stock price popped as soon as the sale was announced, and as soon as him coming back was announced, you can't really make the case that it was bad for fiduciary. It was against fiduciary responsibility. He's got like a class action lawsuit from some shareholder that came up immediately after he came back, saying that. he violated his responsibilities, love fiduciary responsibility or whatever. uh It's going to be those. Those first of all are like diamond a dozen lawsuits. It. So those come of all the time, anytime anybody does anything. Uh, I'm sure Elon Musk gets hit with a ton of them too, but that's a little bit more valid. Uh, but in this case, it's going to be real hard to prove that him coming back was like um somehow not meeting that responsibility because shareholders, <laughs> the, the shares price just fucking jumped like. It. Some crazy amount, like twenty percent or something, in a day. So, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Uh, any arguments about that are usually for people who don't know what they're talking about. Um, I, I can see them selling to the PIF. Um, you were, we were talking about this in text a little bit. There's a, there's a decent argument for them already having a pretty good arrangement with NBC and the whole Peacock deal and all that. And it making sense to just take that over it. I guess it's going to depend on how profitable they've seen it be on their end, whether or not they also want it, because they pretty much already have all the properties. Like, what are they buying at that point? They already have the library hosted and all that. They can already see what the return on that is. So, who knows where that goes. Um, You think about it long term, it would make sense for it to be a company that has some streaming platform, your Disney's and your Paramount's and whoever. Um, But, yeah, yeah, you hear I mean,
0: like you hear names like Netflix and Disney Plus or Disney rather uh, are also in there. Who has Disney Plus and of course has ESPN as well, ESPN Plus, which would work out big time, especially with the news of the UFC shit with the Dana White thing. We don't know how that's all going to unfold. I think obviously they'll still keep it, obviously because it is a cash cow for them compared to their other stuff. Like they have um, the, they have hockey and shit now on ESPN Plus and a lot of college basketball. Well, that's not making as much money as it, a UFC does, so. Um so but you do have that potential there as well and Disney knows that they have uh that platform you're not going to put it on Disney but you could put it on ESPN plus easily um so you got that Netflix is in the game and I have no idea how because Netflix is bleeding money um and they cancel everything and I'm trying to figure out how the hell they would even have enough money to purchase <laughs> fucking WWE but the the problem isn't really with the Peacock stuff either because the Peacock deal is only for so long. A lot of people don't understand that. Like, it's not a lifetime fucking... They don't just have WWE forever. So, as soon as Netflix buys it, let's say Netflix was able to get their hands on it, Netflix, one of the few streaming companies out there that don't have, uh, you know, like a, a stable other entity that they combined with. So, Peacock has WWE right now, and Hulu has uh, the Disney ESPN collaboration. Um, HBO Max has all the DC shit. Um... So like you have Discovery. other things, and now and now Discovery+, Plus obviously, because eventually they're going to merge those two um, platforms together. I'm surprised they still haven't actually officially done it yet. Um, but anyway, so everybody else has other uh, IPs, I guess is the word I'm looking for, that they can have into their shit. Netflix doesn't have that. Netflix has original programming that they cancel all the time, and they're fucking bleeding. Even if it's a good show, they'll cancel it. So it would be nice to see them have that. And then, of course, as soon as they have that, It'll be just like Disney did with the Marvel shows from Netflix, like The Punisher and The Daredevil. Once that deal's up, they're pulling it because they're going to put it on their own shit. So it's not like it's out of the realm of possibility that another streaming service away from Peacock could potentially get WWE because they'll eventually have that library as soon as that deal is up. Apple TV Plus.
1: (laughs) Probably not. Um, It would be funny after all the shit they've talked about uh, uh, AEW for having, like, dark and elevation and stuff on YouTube and, like, YouTube wrestling and whatever, if fucking Google ended up buying them out and then put putting as, like, a little tab on YouTube. <laughs> because they do great YouTube numbers, like, internationally. It would kind of make sense to do that, but...
0: You know, we'll yeah, see. I mean, and then, of course, you have YouTube with YouTube TV. You have right. YouTube with, uh, with just YouTube in general, <laughs> obviously. Um, so yeah, like, and that, if they wanted, and they kind of, like, went into, like, not fully yet, but they're like gearing towards the gaming uh aspect of YouTube now. Like, there's a there's a little bit of that, but like YouTube overall is still a huge monster platform, right? So like, so like, you no know, one's taking like, like, Twitch came out and said, yeah, Twitch wants to buy it, no, nobody's taking that seriously. Twitch is not is not YouTube. YouTube is still the king of video platform type shit. Uh, there yeah. is no, I mean, TikTok isn't shit. Like YouTube, YouTube is. Like, would swallow them whole. YouTube is here's, Galactus. Everybody else is Little Planets.
1: Here's the thing about the, the YouTube thing, too. They get good numbers internationally and all that. But you have to remember who the demographic is in domestic for WWE age wise. It's like, it's usually your 50 plus, right? That's the major demo for most of NXT. It's a major demo for most of WWE's other properties. And I don't think you're going to get that, that 50 plus demographic to. Sign up for YouTube TV and download the fucking whatever. It's like
0: it's while just, I while know. I agree with that, it's not a graphic that they want to be number one in. They want to get the graphic that AEW is getting. So right. uh, if that's where if that's where they really want to go and have bigger numbers on YouTube, guess who has YouTube? Who guess who uses YouTube? The younger right. audience.
1: But I don't I don't know that the reason that the younger demo isn't attracted to them right now is because of the product. So just putting it on a platform that has more young users, I don't think like it might help a little bit, but it's not like it's going to make people go out of their way to go check it out either, unless they really push it. Um,
0: I mean, like I feel really- like in a way, WWE is geared towards that. Like, okay, so like is gearing towards that. I should say not geared towards that. They're not geared towards it as of right now because obviously their numbers in the fifty are still outweighing the numbers in the eighteen to forty nine or whatever. But. Uh, when you have people that you're hiring, like a Rousey or a Logan Paul or a Bad Bunny, who do you think those are? Who who do you think those signings are for? They're for clearly the the younger audience,
1: well, not for, 50 for the fifty plus. The audience, but yeah.
0: That's... All right. Yeah. So the other thing that we got to talk about is uh, the possibility of you know HBO Max and Tony Khan and Chad Khan and them getting some people together to possibly have <laughs> to possibly make a run at this, <laughs> which is. Which which was not heard of at all. But we've said that on the the show, I don't think people realize how much money the cons have, right? We've said this before. I feel like Shad Khan has more money than Vince, and it's not even close. And so, like, this is not out of really left field for us as, you know, doing the show for now our fourth year. But what's the real-life chances of this actually happening? It's got to be, like, what, 5%, right? Something crazy low. There's no way he sells to the cons.
1: StatCon's net worth, the last I looked, was like 11.5 billion. Now, those numbers are not always perfect, but
0: it's 11.5 billion. Only going up it's... two right now with the Jaguars winning yesterday. Hey, baby. That it's franchise a good
1: is it's a crazy. game.
0: Um, so,
1: is it possible? Yes. Is it plausible if they bring in an outside partner or like other other financier like as a co-buyer like your hbo maxes or whoever it gets a lot more likely in that scenario for sure um the question is though vince and this is where it goes back to fiduciary responsibility too if vince has an offer on the table for seven million to buy out all of wwe um and he's got an offer on the table for six million from you know disney or whoever technically to maximize shareholder value he has to take the higher offer so even though he's a petty fuck he's not allowed to just be like nah fuck that other billion dollars and fuck my shareholders i'm going to go with the lower amount and get them lower paid out when it goes private and all their shares get bought up so the funniest outcome is that they have the highest bid and he's like forced to take it do i think that anybody on that side views it as a six billion dollar property or whatever some of the fucking numbers floating around were no I do not Not even long term like the numbers that we were seeing for wwe network were like at, at 9.99 like even for a million subscribers 10 million subscribers it would take so many years to bring that like back to that amount i'm not sure I, i'm sure a lot of that valuation that they're coming out with is coming from like the merchandising deals that they have all over the place with everything and everyone. Um, but even that stuff, I'm not I'm not seeing it as like, that's not a $6 billion property. I don't know why that number keeps getting floated. The current market valuation of the company before the price spike was like, uh, is a, just a tad t- under $2 billion, if I recall correctly. But the thing is that's stock market value is speculative. It's based on what you think it's going to be worth or doing or whatever in the future and it's i just don't see a six billion dollar offer especially now that it's come out in the other report that fox was like hemorrhaging money for the smackdown deal they lost like a hundred million dollars in a year for their tv deal which is absolutely crazy um they're either going to lowball them next time the tv deal stuff comes up or they're just not going to renew because losing a hundred million dollars a year on a single property that you that you paid that much money for No way, no fucking way are they paying the same amount again. So,
0: I guess my 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 thing with this this whole thing is, is even though you were talking about how if he got an offer, let's say from the Saudis that was, you know, three billion more than uh, Disney or whatever, and he has to take the Saudi Uh deal, I'm Uh sitting there like, is there not a way that he can, uh, Explain this to their people that it would actually be better in the long run for the shareholders to not give it to the fucking Saudis because of the long-term plan instead of a short-term, hey, cash grab real quick.
1: No, no, because they don't. The thing is when shares get bought out, you don't own those shares anymore. You get a payout of the private because when a company goes private like that, they're buying all the existing public shares and then that just becomes their stake in it. So the only way that
0: he could be able to – the only way that he could possibly uh, convince people that that was the right move to do is if they stayed public when Saudi bought them. Saudi wouldn't stay – I know they wouldn't. I'm just saying if they they, they – if if you stay in public this way and this way, and he said, hey, I'm going to go this way even though it's smaller right now because we're still going to stay public, and then that way you can still make money off the shareholder type deal instead of a one lump sum payout or whatever once it goes back private.
1: They can't do that for Saudi. They might be able to make that argument for other buyers, but not for Saudi because it's it's there. It's the Saudi Arabian public investment fund, which means that we feel like this
0: really comes down to what Vince is even going on in his mind. What is he trying to do here? Is he trying to just get back in charge and go private so that he can never be out of charge again until he dies? Or is he actually trying to benefit the company? In the long run, because with what we've seen so far, it doesn't feel like he's actually trying to benefit the company. It feels like he's trying to kill his own fucking company, which is crazy to me. Um, Somebody that was like so slow and methodical, right? When he took over his dad's company, he started pulling talent from other people because he wanted this global or national, uh at the time, national uh, promotion or whatever. Right. And start killing all the other ones because he wanted all the best talent from all the other places, right? And he like built this whole thing and he slowly built it up, built it up, built it up, and now it's like he doesn't care anymore is the vibe I'm getting. It's crazy to me what he's doing.
1: I think he still cares. It's just I think that he's a little bit short-sighted when it comes to his uh whatever this politely. Is I think his ego is not allowing him to see that the company is fine without him. I think he thought that As soon as he left it would crash and burn they would fucking beg for him to come back and that's just not what happened so now you're in a situation where he's like hearing out of one year like oh you should have never left bro you got bad advice you didn't have to leave over that it would have all blown over and then he's seeing also at the same time the company's doing fine people are excited about the triple h booking they're excited about like the direction of the company or whatever and i think a lot of that just got to him where he'd been telling people for years Hey, this company can't live without me. That used to be his argument to actual shareholders like during board meetings and stuff. One of the – I remember distinctly when they were talking about having him leave when the first scandals first broke. They were like, look, like we know this looks bad, but he has to be here or this company can't run. And now he's realizing that's not fucking true, and it's probably hurting his his pride
0: a little bit. I feel like that was true back when they weren't public maybe, but not (laughs) – Not when they're public and now they have a board of directors and shit. When he was like really the head-head man or whatever. Yeah, that might have been true. But not now. Not when you put Stephanie and Triple H in positions of power and they actually learned the job and branched out and got other responsibilities and were doing good at that and all this other shit. And then Triple H takes over NXT and that catches fire and stuff. And it's kind of like, well, they're already learning the tricks of the trade and doing all the things necessary that they have to do, going to all these meetings and board meetings and talent meetings and all this stuff. And they're already learning all this stuff with being around Vince all the time. So then when Vince leaves, this was the whole thought process through all the fans that when Vince leaves, we'll be fine. Cause he'll sell it to Stephanie or give it to Stephanie and everything will be good. And now we're seeing that that's clearly not the intention at all. And, uh, it's, that's why I think that's one of the reasons why it feels like he's trying to kill his own company, honestly. Yeah. And what is he going to do? with the money from the sale the dude's already rich like what, what what is it that you need exactly like i don't understand like i would be way more um enthralled with the prospects of my company succeeding even after i'm gone than hey if i go down everybody goes down like that makes no sense to me at all that's so stupid all buy that work you just did was for nothing
1: buy another guy look once you get to that level of money i feel like your brain is fucking mushed okay you i don't People sometimes have a really hard time comprehending how much like a billion dollars is. But it, just for fun, one time, go into Notepad, type out $100,000, okay? You, and then copy and paste that 10 times. That's a million. Now, copy and paste that until you get to a billion and you go from like a text pad file like this to one like fucking this. It's, it's a crazy amount of money. Like you couldn't spend it in a fucking lifetime. So this whole thing to me is weird. Like, it's, it's just completely asinine. Um,
0: yeah, I've, I've said multiple times in real life uh, to others of like, dude, even if I just had a million, I'd be set. Because I'm not stupid and I would know what to do with it, right? right. You go right out there, you pay off whatever the vehicle it is you have. You pay off your uh, house with it. You pay off your credit cards or whatever have you. And you still have a shit ton of money. A shit ton. I can just go to a part-time job or open up your own little bullshit side business. That's not crazy. Buy a, buy a house
1: outright for two hundred fifty k. Never yeah. pay a fucking house payment the rest of your life. Love to appreciate. And value. Airbnb
0: another one. You could do an Airbnb another one, even though that's kind of killing the house markets. But you get what I am saying, though. Like, give it another you're...
1: ten years
0: after you buy the two hundred
1: fifty k house, it's worth even more because it just always appreciates. It probably is going to gain a rate faster than inflation. Then, if you are at a point where you fucking desperately need money for something take out a fucking HELOC or sell the house and just do it again. Like, it's it's crazy to
0: me. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, literally a million would have you set for life if, you're, if you know what you're doing, right? So you just pay off what you have currently. Or if you wanted to, because, like, let's say at the time you're in a beat-up house or whatever, you just sell that house, get the money back from what you haven't paid off already, right? And then just put it towards another house, and then you can upgrade that, and then you would still have a shit ton, like you were saying, like a new house would be like 300k max, right? Oh, like you could literally life. build it from the ground up. Like you could go find land, have people, you build your so house, 300k, this is, easy. This is the,
1: a lot of people listening to this are going to be like, oh, not where I live, not in fucking New York, not in San Francisco. Don't fucking live there. You don't have to live there. That's the, the crazy thing to me. You can live like an hour outside of some of those places for so fucking cheap. If, if you really love that city, come on, man. Just driving an hour and into put, To city. put this
0: in perspective, even more so, I live literally on the beach. Like, no See? joke. The beach is a four minute walk from my fucking house to the water. Like I could get to the water in four or five minutes walk, right? Do you know how much houses are here compared to thirty minutes away from here? <laughs> and how much <laughs> more land and how much more house you can get <laughs> an hour away? I mean it's like that here too. I live downtown. I
1: live downtown in a Mid-sized city, but it's in the southeast. So I paid 122 for this place in 2015, and right now I just ran comps on it because there's a house going for sale next door. On the lot that I sold for 40k, that this house came on two lots, sold that lot for 40. So that's already fucking now my my input price is down to what like 80, and then I ran comps on it because the housing market has gone so crazy since I bought it in 2015. This place I could sell now for 375, like.
0: This is that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, that's kind of that's almost how much mine is worth, too. I I haven't checked it in a few months, but it's like 250, 275 ish. And we bought it for 130, 139, I think.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So, back to the point of all that, which is, yeah, you people don't understand how much a billion dollars is. Like, nobody ever needs a billion dollars. It's fucking insane. And if he's got 80% shares in a company, that's valued at a little bit under two billion dollars right now. He's, you know, over that by quite a bit. He's, he'd be at like one point, whatever the fuck that is, one point six, one point eight. Something, something,
0: something, something. I'd be fine off of just the shares that Triple H and Stephanie have sold. Yeah, <laughs> they sold all their shares. <laughs> I would be fine. It's dude.
1: completely fucking silly, dude. Like they're like, no, we got to live in Connecticut. I'm like, okay, Connecticut's pretty expensive, but it ain't a billion dollars expensive, bro. You're going to get, you need like a really nice house out there for about a million bucks and then you're good. Like it's. So, yeah, I don't think it's a money thing. I don't think it's a greed thing. I don't think it's like he wants to go buy another yacht. It's got to be a pride thing at that point. Like it, it can't be a money thing.
0: Do you think he ever shows back up on TV?
1: Hopefully not, but he might. I mean, it depends on what kind of level of control he has. I know that with Triple H being in creative. He probably won't want that. They apparently have had some issues even yeah. before
0: Vince left. We'll get into that too when we talk yeah. about Steph, obviously, later. But yeah, apparently, there's yeah. some issues between Steph and Triple H and Vince as well, on top of all this other stuff, because they obviously don't want to sell it. And well, they obviously know that he's not
1: helping. So, um, but yeah, man, I, I don't know what his motivations are or could be aside from just he saw that it was still doing fine when he left, he didn't expect it to still do fine when he left. And he's got other people telling him, "Hey, you didn't have to leave," and now he's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna come back." That's that's it to me.
0: All right, let's move on to the next. I mean, because that that's gonna be a developing thing for the next what half a year, right? Because they're gonna be doing the uh, the TV contracts and all that stuff soon as well after the sale. So we got the sale first, possibly if it sells, and then TV deals too. And that's the other thing that we didn't really get to touch on is who's going to want to touch a deal with the Saudis if he sells it to them when they fucking purged everybody from the PGA Tour to live golf and they still can't get a fucking TV deal. No one wants to work with the Saudis, dude. Yeah, that's pretty. um, That's your other issue. So yeah, you can sell it, but then when your TV deal that comes up, and the whole reason that he was saying that he wanted to come back is to for a potential sale and then to help with the new TV contracts. Well, if you sell it to Saudi... How how magical do you and think WWE you are and- that you're going to be able to work a TV deal out with people when Fox is coming out saying that they've been hem- hemorrhaging fucking 100 million plus every year since they've done the deal with you?
1: WWE now on Spike TV. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. Um, I will say, though, that if, if Sony doesn't end up controlling it, most likely I think Vince will be able to convince them that, hey, that product that you guys all like so much was like that because of me. And if you keep me in charge, I still have all the connections to do the T V deals and whatever, so you don't need to worry about that. Which might actually be true. Um, if if Vince is able to also convince the network so he's like, Look, they own it in name. It's their money backing it, but I'm still running stuff here and you would be going through me and all that type of shit, they it'd probably be okay.
0: They, I'd love to see I would love to see USA's numbers because USA has had wrestling way longer than Fox has, right? Yeah. So the the USA deals that they made for um for Raw to keep Raw or whatever because we know it wasn't a big splash thing like Fox's was and we also know that USA was not willing to spend what Fox was willing to spend when those last contracts came up because if everybody remembers USA has had both they had both at the time when that one contract ran up and they're like oh we'll keep Raw but you, we're not going to we're not going to buy Smackdown too because uh we can't compete with Fox's uh deal or whatever that they were thrown out so i would love to know what the shit's going on like how much money usa is losing if at if any at all and then maybe maybe it's not that bad and maybe they just get raw back i mean get smackdown back and have both again but for way less than what fox what basically the fucking money you stole from fox (laughs) for that for that deal because you tricked them into uh purchasing the uh rights to have that show for what was it five years or whatever it is Mm -hmm. So that will be interesting too. I, I wish those numbers would come out because then we really get a handle in a uh, on what exactly is might happen here. Because I'm telling you right now, if USA is losing, not not the same amount of money because it's not possible because they didn't put that much money into the deal, but uh, if they're losing like the same ratio of money that yeah. uh, Fox is. Whoo, 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 that's that's not good, dude. That's not going to be good at all.
1: So Fox paid 196.7 million. Sold WWE for broadcasting fees in 2020 to 2021 and closed the year with $134 million in losses. So not great. And then in 2021-2022, they paid $202 million and lost 145 So not great. Um when your your profit is barely 50 million, 55 million. And well, profit your gains are are only 50 million, 55 million, and you're spending 200.
0: The crazy question is about this all is like the ratings compared to other stuff has still been good, though. So, how are they bleeding so much money when the ratings? Did they just think the ratings were going to jump up to like 5 million or something? Like, I don't understand just because it was on one of the major four networks
1: either. I mean, advertisers just aren't being willing to pay as much to advertise in the program, I guess, because that's where most of their money for posting that's going to come from. All right.
0: So we'll keep you everybody posted on that as the story definitely develops more. But we got to talk about uh, Wrestle Kingdom 17, but one in like one particular part of it. Mercedes Monet debuted in New Japan, and we thought we saw a meltdown on Twitter. But like we said earlier, that was nothing compared to when Vince came back. But Monet Money, it's catchy, I ain't gonna lie, it's like, it's it was catchy when she came out, the little, uh, promo, and money. then the thing, at the dancing at the end, and so I was like, okay, okay, uh, right. it's pretty cool, money, um, very happy for it. it's fucking awesome, because she's clearly been wanting to do this for a long time, to wrestle in Japan, I mean, she's made no secret about it, honestly, um, came out, fucking, the hair was insane, by the way, I was very, that was fucking cool, I assume that it's supposed to be like fire, um. Yeah, it's
1: burning away the blue, procession. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. Uh, so she, uh, Kyrie, obviously has a really good short match, um, at Very Wrestle full Kingdom full Seventeen. Full Very short. Body. I was not happy about how short it was, but they they brought it though. They brought it. Um, Kyrie, Kyrie, that was her first defense of the new IWGP Women's Championship, and then Mercedes comes out, um, and I won't say this was like only like the third match of the actual show, right? Of like the actual show, not the pre-show too. But um, but she comes out, uh. And for everybody that's saying that she didn't get a loud reaction, clearly it's, don't watch New Japan on the regular. Because she got right? a loud reaction, dude. For for New Japan, I feel like she got a loud reaction. No? I mean, it, listen to when Kenny
1: comes out. It's it's slightly louder, but it's pretty much the same kind of like muted like it's just it's just how Japanese crowds are. You don't they don't go fuck it's not like a you're never gonna get like a stone cold pop. Like except for when somebody does something crazy in a match. But even then, it's not like woo. It's more like Whoa! like in the crowd and then clapping or like cheering. Yeah, that. I saw a
0: video. I, I saw a video of uh, a match between, uh, I believe it was Shingo and Kenny that somebody had posted from a long time ago, where it was like Kenny was the one. Um, I think it was Shingo, but Kenny was the one that was like not expected to beat Shingo or some shit, and then he was doing. He got out of something and fucking they went nuts and. That's that's what Kenny's always referring to with his matches versus Osprey matches that he used in his promos leading up to their bout or whatever. But anyway, she got a pop, dude. Like, I don't know what the hell they were talking about. Um, It was just the e-drones that, you know, oh, yeah, she didn't get a pop. It's going to be a big failure or whatever. Like, just uh, cope, dude. Go cope. And it's not going to work because she got a huge pop. She had the uh, Carmella-like uh promo at the end of it which is weird to me but i mean it was okay she sounded stuffy right didn't she sound like she had a stuffed up nose or something Yeah, that's what she sounded like to me i don't know if you noticed it or not i mean not really. i watched wb more than you at this point so like i i know what she's supposed to sound like <laughs> so i i noticed it right away i was like damn she sounds weird um so she could have a stuffed up nose or something which is uh crazy watch with fight. how um they do uh protocols and shit over there too uh, oh that's another thing by the way everybody's wearing math still so like that helps muffle the noise as well when she came out um but anyway she hits her with her new move that she's been practicing um or tries to uh you said it was more Kyrie's fault than sasha's 100% fault or Kyrie's mercedes fault. and yeah i'm
1: i'm not you know me i'm not the biggest like sasha and mercedes fan or whatever I, she's good but it's just she's it's just one of those people that like i can acknowledge is good but never really clicked with me um and i i love Kyrie, but that was 100 percent Kyrie's fault so speed landed on the swing part of the move when she's not supposed to she's supposed to swing around like kind of be on her feet and then take the db parts on the gory special so no that was that was Kyrie's fault um it, that wasn't on On Mercedes at all. So everybody's like, oh, she came in, she botched her first move, blah, blah. She didn't botch it. Kyrie fucked it up. And Kyrie probably fucked it up because it's not like a common move. It's like a weird move. So, you know, if it happens, they'll get it together for the next one. It'll
0: be fine. I feel like it's more of a not, it's not really a Japanese move. It's more of a luchador move anyway. Something like that. I mean, it's literally a gory special. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So, and, and sometimes that gory special is done in transition, not just straight up like that, too. So uh, you already have momentum from the like running to the ropes or something like that too. So like you're doing all this other shit and first and reversals and all that stuff, and then you hit it type deal. It's not really yeah. hey, let's just go ahead and fucking pick you up and do the gory special. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean one person did that and that was gory. So, but yeah, so like there's a reason why we you, don't a yeah. you don't see that a lot in matches. You don't see that a lot of men's matches, let alone women's matches. So I mean I I like that she has the new move or whatever and stuff, but. And I guess she felt comfortable with Kyrie taking it because she's wrestled Kyrie before. So, yeah, um, but you, you'd still think,
1: like, come on, you got to rehearse that at least a couple times. You can't just say, hey, they, they, there's no way they called that in the ring. They're like, hey, I'm going to do a Corey special on you. It's like, okay, no fucking way. So, they, I don't know what happened there, what the communication breakdown was or what. It didn't look great. You know, but
0: people get her. There were there. some people like me as well that noticed that she was wearing heels when she came out there too to do this move, and I don't know if that yeah. helped either. Uh, I was still
1: car as well. well let's so,
0: say let's say she wasn't wearing heels and she was wearing flats, right? Let's say she was wearing wrestling boots because Ke- uh Kevin Kelly clearly said, Hey, she's she's dressed to wrestle, what well, she wasn't. She had wrestling gear on but not boots. Um But anyway, so like she's she'd become much shorter, which means the move wouldn't look nearly as bad because uh Kyrie dropped too fast. So like yeah, so I don't know. I, I don't know if it had anything to do with it, but I'm more I'm more on the side with you that it was uh not really a Mercedes botch. It was more of a Kyrie missed time, basically. Um but anyway, so what do you think this does for uh New Japan and the women's division that they're trying to build in general over there in IWGP. And do you think that the Kyrie match um because I don't want to just focus straight on Mercedes here because I just wanna I want to take the women out of it because it was such a big deal for uh, a lot of us over here for New Japan to finally have you know a women's title and a women's match on Wrestle Kingdom and all this stuff. What uh, what do you think? Uh, do you think a lot of people? Pro- I feel like a lot of people had um, doubts about how seriously New Japan was going to take the women's roster. But then when you have the tournament, Kyrie winning it, Kyrie having the great match, even though it was like we said it was a short match, um, and then then bringing in Mercedes. Do you think that they're really going to? Try to take this seriously with the stardom New Japan crossover? Um, I, want, I want to say
1: yes from them bringing her in because you know they had to pay her a ton of fucking money. But on the other hand, you had a five minute match. Like that's, you know, I just, I don't. You're putting a lot of money into something, but then not really showcasing it in the way that I think we'd hoped.
0: If do you think we'll sense. have a better idea after Battle in the Valley?
1: Yeah, we'll see how that match goes, I guess. Um, but yeah, this is... It's so crazy to me, and this, we'll, we'll kind of get into this too. Um, it's crazy to me that they would pay that much money. Her go over there. Heard say like, oh yeah, this is like my dream. I want to go do this, whatever. Um, have her debut after a five-minute championship match. And then build your whole next program around her but then not have anybody take her aside and be like hey like you know the like Sendai girls and tjpw and all that stuff that's not us right you can't just you can't go talk about how you want to wrestle people from over there that would be like you coming to wwe and saying yeah i want to wrestle kenny omega like it's it's fucking weird you can't do that um so yeah i I feel like they're taking it seriously in the sense they're trying to draw a lot of international interest. They might see it as like a big money maker for them, but I don't think that they're taking it as seriously as we had hoped for the wrestling side of it. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I, get, I think we'll see that. I think that we'll see that throughout the year whether or not they're going to really take it seriously from the wrestling side. How much they're time taking it seriously as like
1: an attraction, but not as like a. Like a real thing,
0: yeah. But I don't want them to use it as of like a midget fucking wrestling spot. I want them to use it as I want them to use <laughs> right. it as an actual division. I as mean, you spent the time to yeah. have this title that looked like a smaller version of the actual Your title that Osprey Osprey was holding. So I don't know. I, I want them to. I want. I mean, I'm hoping that they're taking it seriously. I'm. I want to. I want personally to say there's a couple reasons why they kept the match short at Wrestle Kingdom. They're trying to eat. They're trying to slowly introduce the women. To the New Japan crowd, right? That's one. They're trying to make sure that they didn't have too much time because then they had a bigger possibility of screwing something up. And then people would just go ahead and say downvote it automatically and not give it an actual fair shake. And number three, and I think the most important thing is that you had to allot time for Sasha to debut, which she took up a bunch of time with the intro, video, then coming out to the ring then pretending to be her friend and then turning on her and then ha- cutting the promo out there all that time. I feel like would have went to, or at least part of it would have went to the women's match as a whole, if it wasn't for Mercedes, uh, debut. So I'm, I'm, I, that's my optimistic view of it. That's what I'm hoping is going on. Um, but like I said, and also you have wrestle kingdom. That's your biggest stories that you've been telling. So the Kyrie match, In itself, even though it had a storyline behind it, sort of, it wasn't nearly as much going up as far as hype goes to the J. White Okada or the Omega Osprey and shit like that or the Great Muda's final match in New Japan, you know, shit like that. So I think that might have had something to do with it, too. Let's give it a let's give it some time and see what happens and how much time they get at Wrestle Kingdom 18 and see if it actually is a big jump or not. Um, I think that has something to do with it, and I think we'll get a little taste of that when it's not at a big show like Wrestle Kingdom with the Battle in the Valley thing, and let's see how much time they get with that. Um, but if you're going to bring in the women and only give them the same amount of time as these short uh, three- and four-man tag matches, then eh, that's not going to be a good look. So I'm hoping that, that that those three reasons I just gave were part of the reason why the match was so short. Um, but like I said, we'll see coming up because I think Battle of the Valley is what, February what? It's soon, right? It's got to be soon. I want to say it's soon. I think, yeah. it's Pretty soon. Yeah. I think it's... February 18th.
1: Yep. 18th. Or 6 p.m. Bell and 6
0: PM. the mercedes Monet first New Japan match against Kyrie for the IWGP Women's Championship is scheduled for the show along with the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match which we believe is Shingo because he's the one that came out at the end of the pay-per-view yeah. after winning the KOPW when he said the KOPW was Twice. beneath him. He came out after
1: Wrestle Kingdom and then he came out again after New Year's Dash. So that's
0: pretty clearly let's let's talk about uh wrestle kingdom let's talk about the rest of the card here we go so we can start there because i know you want to spend a lot of time on the two dudes that you just have hards on for so we're gonna do we're gonna do the jay white okada right because um
1: those are the two dudes um So this was your favorite fucking like, favorite show of the year I already, right? I
0: I can go ahead and Jay put that white. on the Monster Awards 2023 this was the best show of the year for you then? I white So let's do...
1: It's
0: great. Oh, no, it's going to be in the running, for sure. It's going to be hard to top it. Um, so, Okada and Jay white what did you think? Really good you match. Watched really vacuum, so you watched it in the vacuum. Let everybody know that you didn't watch it after the Omega Osprey because you didn't want the match ruined for you as far as quality of match and stuff because you knew nobody was about to follow that. So as soon as you got done watching uh Osprey and uh, Omega, you cut it off and went to sleep. And then you woke up and watched the, the last match in a vacuum by itself because you wanted to have a break because it was like no there's no way. That's like well, I won't say it's the same quality type quality, but it's the uh it's the uh what the hell was it? It was the um Oh, the Hell in a Cell situation. So you had Mankind and Undertaker go on, steal the fucking show, no one's talking about anything else, and then Austin and Kane had to go out there and have a world title match. There's no fucking <laughs> yeah. way, right? There's no fucking way. So yeah. um so what did you think after you watched the J.Y. Okada match because of the way that you watched it? Did what like star wise, uh outcome wise, uh The outcome match quality wise, yeah, all that you stuff. Weren't,
1: you weren't gonna have Okada lose. The Wrestle Kingdom right after Inoki dies, it just wasn't going to fucking happen. You weren't going to have a Gaijin walk away with the, the world title right after that. It was just, it was too obvious. Um, I thought the match itself was really good. Um, that even knowing that in my head, like there's there's no way they're going to have Jay White walk away with the belt. There were some spots that they did really good false finishes. Um, the entire match was incredibly well worked. I. I can't think of anything that popped out as, like, egregiously bad, for sure. Because sometimes, you know, you get shit where it's like, oh, it's too much Gato interfering or too much bullshit. Like, there wasn't really anything that stood out as super bad in that sense. It was like a straight, you know, relatively straight match. Um, If not for the Omega Osprey match, I would say that a lot more people would be talking about that match because it was really well done. Uh, But the outcome was such a foregone conclusion that I I felt like, you know that that does take away from it in some sense, but it was it was probably like my second favorite match of theirs together. So for whatever that's worth, um, and it does continue Jay White's more interesting story arc where he's like, you know, fuck, like maybe maybe I'm not the guy. I thought I was the guy. Maybe I'm not the guy. Should I still be here? That whole thing. So and word is that. His, uh, I think his, I think they got married. His, his wife now is pregnant apparently, or is expecting her to be, or trying to be, or some shit like that. Something involving a kid. So he wants to, and he lives in Florida. So, um, I think he wants to, to come to the U.S. full time. So they're doing this whole like, uh, the Hikaleo match after that. Will he leave? Japan? He never said leave New Japan. He just said, uh, the loser leaves Japan, so he may be coming over to the states to do the the New Japan ROH crossover stuff or something like that. So we'll see. But um yeah, as far as the the Okada match, this is the right outcome. It's a predictable outcome. Um, it's a really well worked match. Nothing else to really say about it.
0: Do you think we get the Hikuleo J White match at Battle in the Valley? I don't know
1: when that's supposed to be. Look it up.
0: Because he attacked him after New Year's Dash, too. Because he's the one that placing the blame on him or whatever for losing to Okada. So, what did you think of the... uh, While you're looking that up, what do you think about the uh, Jay White... um,
1: No, so Jay White's doing uh, Eddie Kingston in Battle in the Valley.
0: Oh. Okay, cool, 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 cool. That's the one that they had to push back, right? So, what do you think about Jay White doing um, the thing at the end where he pretty much acknowledges that Okada best of them basically it's still, so,
1: still so far up in the series that it's fine to do a little little play show like a little bit of respect like whatever and the whole thing i think everybody expected it to be him going in and like you know fucking nutting him or something like that but they do this a lot in new japan stuff where even if you're a heel if you lose and you like get genuinely beaten there's some level of respect or whatever you don't just have them come and jump them afterward uh, except for, weirdly enough, Bullet Club, which he's the leader of, but they didn't do it this time. Uh, I thought it was a neat you think little Russell Kingdom being,
0: of... You think Wrestle Kingdom has something to do with that too? Because it's the biggest pay-per-view? Of... Maybe, and maybe just some of the you other things. You know how they do it too. a lot at WrestleMania, even though it's like the biggest heel of all time, but somebody will acknowledge them after because it's WrestleMania-type deal?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that, and then I, I think it would have been really frowned upon to do like an, a post-match beatdown like I said, like the first Wrestle Kingdom, right after Inoki dies, and you've got Okado's who's sort of they see as like the.
0: You think that like we're talking about? There's no way Gaijin was going to win. Do you think that yeah. has something to do with the two because it was the first one after Inoki passed away? Yeah, absolutely. There's no way. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So, do you, who do you think's going to lose though in the loser leaves Japan match? Because now there's reports that WWE is interested in uh, not only Hikaleo, but also your new never open weight champion who also just beat the former. Uh, champion in Carl Anderson that left fucking WWE <laughs> and then Tom Otongo was talking mad shit about it and now magically he might be leaving as never openweight champion too um, now what do you think about them being interested in both and then of course uh, who do you think loses the match between uh, Hickaleo and Jay White who leaves first basically
1: the, the bloodline is the most over storyline they have if they see any Samoan in any promotion that knows how to wrestle they're gonna want him like, that's not
0: shocking. Well, see, that's weird to me, because Jacob Fatu can clearly wrestle, and he's still over there in MLW, yeah, so... Yeah,
1: seriously, yeah. And
0: um, he's, he's well, also probably a Samoan werewolf. Him, he's beating the,
1: shit out of that, beating the shit out of that
0: fan. <laughs> probably, it's... Then they were like, uh That's fucking great. That's wait. who you want. That's who you want, dude. What? Come on. That dude came in the fucking... No, no, no. I'm not I'm not
1: saying he was wrong in any way. He was 100% correct to do it. I'm saying from a WWE
0: PR point of view, do you want well, well, yeah, right? that's the same dude that did the PWG shit with Daniel Garcia. That's why the video started yeah. resurfacing again because the Daniel yeah. Garcia thing is the new one when JAS he's... showed up in PWG. But the Samoan Werewolf when Jacob Fatu took him out, that was older. But yeah, that yeah. guy has I don't
1: know
0: why they no brain cells come to apparently. Question, who the fuck looks at Jacob Fatu and is like, yeah, I'm about to fuck, fuck you up? I would dude no I mean, <laughs> come on I mean, like garcia like daniel garcia you just flipping him <laughs> up, and he's kicking you in the hand okay i get why you're kind of pissed off about that right because it's pwg but and you're that close to the ring and stuff but really dude yeah, jacob yeah. fatu fuck that you literally walked in there so you really thought you had a chance walking in there talking shit got one hit
1: knocked down and then just stumbling like a dipshit for like minutes after, From a
0: drive. lariat, dude. You got fucked up from a lariat.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> That's good well, shit. hey, so did Hangman. Don't talk shit. Um, Stuff hurts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so did Moxley, motherfucker. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Moxley's wasn't real. Fuck you. Moxley's, was, Moxley's <laughs> wasn't real. But, yeah. um, I'm not surprised. That they're, especially with Hikoleo. You know how they're crazy about tall dudes.
0: Um, yeah, so I, was- I, thought I was more surprised with Tama just because of his age, but I'm not surprised with Tama either. Be, be, honestly, since we're talking about Wrestle Kingdom, the match with Carl Anderson was good all the way to the final move. I liked that match. A lot of people were hating on that match, but I liked it. And then, it was- of course, the stun gun at the end was the only botched was- move. I just did not like. It. I mean, that ruined it all for me. But as far as before that point, I was digging that match. Honestly, they were fucking each other up. The crazy thing about that is I saw people online saying that he botched it on purpose.
1: I'm like, bro, him and him and Tom Tong have known each other so long. They're actual friends. There's no fucking way he's going to try to shit on him in a match. He just messed it up. It's not a big deal. It happens. Wait,
0: who, who was shitting on who? People were shitting on Carl Anderson saying that he fucked it up on purpose. Why would Carl Anderson lose to a move that doesn't even connect? That makes him look worse. Hey? I- I don't know, dude. These people that would they, make him look like, worse oh, he's, in he's, kayfabe he's, reasons. That would make you look worse because you didn't like, actually he fucked hit it up the on move purpose, and you still he, took the three count. Yeah, he Bobby was so Fish took an actual GTS and tried to kick out. Like don't, that's bullshit, dude. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. No, yeah, I agree it, with you. That's one hundred percent
1: false. Super stupid. Um, but even even if like he was so petty that he was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna mess this up on purpose to make you look bad." to so someone, Wouldn't else, the
0: more petty thing to be to do the Bobby Fish thing and kick out. At three <laughs> wouldn't that be that that would be the more petty thing,
1: yeah? Uh, or just immediately get up and walk out into the Austin areas. Um, yeah, no, they, they and even at the press conference after, is like, Oh, I'm so glad to do this, like with people that I love, and I love Carl Anderson. They came up and they fucking hugged and all that stuff, like they're clearly friends. Like, he didn't bother.
0: The thing is, is purpose, Tama really stupid. does give off the, the feeling that he really loves being in Japan, so it would be crazy to me if WWE was able to get him um
1: oh, Well, here's the thing too. We've talked a lot about how shitty WWE's tag division is. Bringing in G.O.D. would be great. It would it would liven it up. And get another pair of Samoans in there. Go tussle with them Usos. <laughs> another because they're a great tag team. um It's not like Tomerloh was doing much, so you could do that.
0: In a perfect world, I would love for them to bring them over with Batu, maybe after the, the Rock thing with Roman. The At WrestleMania, bloodline. and then have Fatu be the new guy to challenge Roman, and then that's his backup. Basically, that that makes sense, right? Like I think yeah. I would I would dig that. That would be cool as fuck. I don't want them to just come over to WWE and be part of the bloodline just because they're part of the bloodline. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like yeah. I want Haku's side of the family <laughs> to fucking go against Roman and like say fuck this. We're about to fuck you up. Take the tag titles, put them on uh uh Gorillas of Destiny, and then put Jacob Fatu in a position where he's fucking everybody up and he is eventually the one to take it off a of Roman if they don't give it to The Rock or Cody before then. But I think that would be fucking badass, honestly. Alright, so we got to talk about Great Muda's last match in New Japan. Yeah. What did okay. you think of it? I, there's Meltzer liked it. He gave it a high rating for a multi-tag match. Uh, obviously, he had Tanahashi and uh, Shota. And Shota got the pin, which was really cool. I thought that was awesome.
1: Yeah. Shota... Did- you can tell they're
0: grooming him to be the next Tanahashi. Oh, he's definitely it. the next Tanahashi. I was thinking that as soon as he came out. Yeah. Don't really know if I like styles, the Roughneck yeah. name, by the way, but he is That's still what, carrying the Death Rider jacket, which is pretty cool. The Roughneck thing you could
1: tell is somebody was like, hey, what's something that like Americans call like tough people? I want to be that. And they're just like, well, this came up in a fucking thesaurus.
0: <laughs> like, also it. like, It's with like Death Rider is too dark and we don't want another dark character. We've got enough yeah. dark characters. So we don't want to call him Death Rider Shota Umino, which would have been badass, by the way. But they they would, you know how Japan is yeah. they'll they'll take that to the fucking three hundred percent, and he'll be coming out like evil, basically old evil. So I get why they didn't want to do that. But Roughneck is it's not really clicking with me right now. But yeah. they are clearly with his with his uh, entrance that he had and his gear. Oh, he's definitely he's definitely Tanahashi number two. Yeah, for sure. But I thought it was cool that he got the win, and I also thought it was really cool that. Muda technically got the win in his last match because um I don't always agree that the veteran should lose on his last match. You know what I'm saying? Especially like if it's a tour situation like Muda's doing. Um, he did lose to Nakamura, obviously, in a really good match. Um But it doesn't necessarily have to lose. Like if I guess if it was a singles match, okay. But I would have been really disappointed if that was a Three on three match, and Muda would have lost or taken the pinfall or something like that. That would have that annoyed the fuck out of me. Um, There was a question from Kevin Kelly about Tanahashi during that. How many more Wrestle Kingdoms are we going to get with Tanahashi? And is he ever going to get back on top? I got to say, I don't think he's going to ever get back on top as far as the IWGP ch- World Championship. He does not look great. He, he had a couple
1: years where he was like really fucking fit. And was moving a, a bit better, and then you know I'm not I'm not shitting on the guy he's he's older like you fall off a little bit but he had a couple years where he was in really great shape he looked really good at Forbidden Door, um, but yeah he looked slower here um, he looked like he had he'd gained a little bit of
0: weight
1: um, not say that he's got
0: you can clearly he's got like the great colleague back issue going on you can see yeah. that like he can't he, move he, his back dude it's tough yeah
1: um, got a rough neck. I, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it, but he um is, is definitely not as uh, ambulatory as he used to be, for sure. Um, but, you know, you have guys like Yuji Nagata who weren't moving great either and still had another fucking eight years in their run, even after they started losing some of their mobility. It's a, I guess it depends on what he wants to do, what kind of style he wants to do. I don't think he's going to keep being able to do that fucking high-fly flow forever, for
0: sure. He might have to come up with something different because that's got to be hard this on don't be just don't be as boring as the money clip and we'll be all right. Um, yeah, there you go. What do you think of uh, Zack Sabre Jr. winning the first TV championship? Everybody thought it was going to be Rida after he got to the final because they're like, holy shit, they're building up a lot of these new guys. You got Shota out there and you got Rida, and uh, it looked like he was going to win it and then all of a sudden... Not only does Zack Sabre Jr. win, but now, because of Suzuki-gun being disbanded, he's got his own little stable forming.
1: Yeah, I kind of wish, instead of them doing the TMDK thing, that they had him just start like fucking Sabre-goon or something, and basically fold in everybody that was in Suzuki-gun before. That would have made more sense to me. Um, But I'm, you know, I'm fine with this, too. Let him branch out, do his own thing, get out of that that shadow. Um, The match itself was was good. I like the match. You know, I... I'm somebody that didn't used to be crazy about Zack Sabre Jr. matches for a lot of reasons, but he's he's grown on me. I um, like watching his matches now. I thought they had a, a pretty good one. Um, going forward, him is... Goddamn, that TV built so ugly. That's not just me, right? That weird box state. Like, it looks like it's Yeah, we talked about like it on the TV? show before. It's it's not really? good. It's ugly. It's not good. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to put it on get somebody... Guy. I I feel like putting it on Rin Narita... Because he's less established, just having him get to the finals builds him up in a good way, but doesn't instantly make the belt feel like it's like a mid-card belt when you put it on somebody like Zach, to me. It feels like it's like a bigger Okay, deal. so
0: I got a question for you because of the... And we can talk about this in, in this as well because this is related to New Japan. Of course, the TV title it looks like it's going to be a prominent title on the possible Ring of Honor New Japan crossover show now that New Japan Strong is gone. Do you think that has something to do with Zack Sabre Jr. winning it over a Ren Narita as well? Um. I mean, because besides the IWGP US title, the TV title was just made. And it feels like it was made for that reason. It doesn't feel like it was made because New Japan needed another title. Because you could have just brought the IC title back that everybody loved. So... It's weird that you would just make a brand new title and call it the US title, I mean, and call it the TV title if you weren't planning on using it on multiple platforms of television. And we all know that the rumors are coming out that um, TK and uh, New Japan are trying to do a crossover thing because New Japan Strong failed over here in the US.
1: Right. Yeah, they're trying to do a Ring of Honor in New Japan crossover, which I, I think I mentioned earlier. The
0: um,
1: Strong, so I think it was Tanahashi that said in some interview or social media post or some shit. I don't remember, but he basically said that strong is ending. So yeah, it could be them having a, a mid card title to bring over to whatever that crossover thing is, but goddamn, ring of honor already has so many titles. Um, maybe that is just new Japan trying to get one more in there to like have it in their mix. Um, it does make sense in that case to give it to Zack Sabre jr. too, because he's going to be flying out of uh, the UK, which is apparently less of a headache getting to the States than Japan to the States and back. So
0: The other thing yeah. I don't understand with the TV title being added in, if you're not going to use it over there, like, you have the Never weight title sitting there, right? Mm-hmm. You've got the IWGP US title sitting there, which I said on Twitter, I'm not a huge fan of region-based titles when they're not being held by that region. So, like, the Intercontinental title makes way more sense to me if you're going to have it be held by other people in other countries than a u.s title being held by uh, a canadian or a british person or a luchador like i've never i've never really liked that honestly it's not a racial thing it's just like it doesn't make any sense right so like you not only do you have the u.s title right held by um a brit losing it to a canadian in japan that like nothing just have the fucking IC title back, dude. Intercontinental title, international title. There's other names that you can use that make it make sense. I don't like it. It's just a personal preference, obviously. But, like, when you have a TV show over here or or over there or wherever the hell you're going to have this TV show at um, and trading talent back and forth, and I think it's going to be, like, honestly, I think what they're going to do is have a base over here and a base over there and just trade a few people back and forth type deal like your champions type deal. I think that's what's going to happen, but I don't know the logistics of it all. And it hasn't been announced yet. I think obviously TK is going to get asked about this after Supercard of honor, right? You would have to imagine that something else is going to have to come out by then, which I believe is also in February. Um, but I think part of it is just because I'm so annoyed that they got rid of the IC title. Cause I like that title a lot. So when they combined it with the world title, we were all pissed off on this show about it. We were not, we were like, we didn't understand it. And then after that, you have, you kept the U S title, which had a um, lesser history. And then you brought in a TV title too. So you got two titles when you could have just had the IC title. And you've already got the never open weight too. That's a mid card title as well. So what, what the fuck, how many titles you need? Way
1: back in the day. Right. How did you feel about the European championship? In WWE,
0: no, I never liked it. I didn't like it.
1: Okay, what What's if saying, the, it's,
0: it's always been the same for me?
1: What if the initial tournament for that title was all European guys and then they lose it to somebody that's not European? Because I'm it just saying, they, that should, never, the they should never have been Europe. put
0: in this, they should never have been put in the situation to lose it to a non European guy It's a European yeah. championship.
1: So, do you feel like All Atlantic hits that bar of being just intercontinental? Yes, I don't like the All Atlantic.
0: I don't like the name of it. I like the way the title looks. I understand it um, as far as what you're trying to do with it, but it should have just been an international title. You should just call it the international title. It is the it? All, I don't like the name of the title at all.
1: It is international.
0: Yes, but All Atlantic is not international, though. It's not the same. It, well, it's the it same. Is inter-
1: it is between nations. Yes, between
0: some of nations, though, yeah, some of them It's
1: international. Oh my God! It's if you have inter- having international trading, doesn't mean you're trading with every fucking country. It means you're trading between nations.
0: Okay, it so it doesn't have wow. to be all okay, nations. So all Atlantic, right? All yeah. Atlantic. Okay, so yeah. you understand that there's other oceans out there. There's a Pacific I Ocean. Do. Yes. Okay, so if somebody in Japan holds that title, that makes no sense. That doesn't bother me though. It bothers you. It bothers something. me. That's what I'm, That's what I'm trying out. to
1: tell yeah. you. Okay. That's what I'm trying I'm, to figure I'm out. Not, I
0: don't know why. I'm not saying that. Uh, it doesn't, it shouldn't bother you. I'm just telling you it bothers me. I don't like it. I've never liked it. You can bring up any fucking instance. I don't like it. Okay. I just think there's other names out there and cooler sounding names than just region basing something like you're in the fucking territory days. The territory days, it made sense. The Smoky Mountain. They come, if I'm the Georgia champion, if I'm the Georgia champion, you're coming to Georgia to take it from me. You're not fucking defending (laughs) the Georgia champion. But then if they leave, because they had no but in the re- in Georgia. the territory days, the title always stayed in the region I understand that, but listen, what I'm saying is
1: like let's say you have somebody come into the territory to wrestle the Georgia champion, and they're not from Georgia. Why are you even allowing that match in your like whole thing? Shouldn't it only be Georgians fighting for it?
0: Well, there was no there was only one world title back then that actually made sense. that was the getting defended everywhere now you have multiple world titles and multiple promotions when before there was only one world title
1: i understand so what you're saying is that nobody from any territory should have ever come into even challenge for the georgia title if they weren't from georgia
0: i mean i understand why they did it back then but no if you think about it no it doesn't really make any sense okay
1: i because to me that feels like if you beat the champion of a region then you are was, still yeah, the champion I what of you're that saying. region. That's a
0: bigger deal. Yeah, oh no, I get what you're saying. It's a bigger deal because if, if Flair comes in and beats your champion, then it makes it makes it a bigger deal. But here's the thing, dude, is everyone has access to, to this title and the US title is not viewed at the same as a fucking Georgia championship, world champion, or a heavyweight championship. It's not the same. You've got two other titles that are above it. What's the problem with that? That makes it worse, though. Okay. If it was their top title, okay. If it's the fucking Japanese world title and you come in and take it, okay, I guess. IWGP title is a world title. So when anybody can win that, that makes sense to me. Being defended anywhere makes sense to me. When you were in Georgia and Georgia Championship Wrestling had their Georgia uh, World Heavyweight or Georgia World Heavyweight Champion or whatever, that made sense. Here's the way I look at it, okay? I live in North Carolina.
1: Let's say that everybody in Georgia, the entire state, everybody in the whole fucking state, all however many million people all had this big ass long tournament and they figured out who was the strongest man in Georgia. Okay, I from North Carolina go over and beat the shit out of that man. Just because I don't live in Georgia doesn't mean I'm not still the champion of Georgia. I'm better than everybody in Georgia. I don't have to live in Georgia to be better than everybody in Georgia, especially if I proved it against the best that they came out with.
0: But here's my point: is that back in the territory days, if Ric Flair, who's from Carolina, came over and beat somebody in Georgia, he didn't take it back to Carolina and start defending that title over there.
1: Why? He still owns Georgia because that's not
0: how it worked. That should have 100 been how
1: it that's works. Not that's not how it works now for
0: these other titles that are regional. He never even had the You're title on their programming. He would have to come back and defend the title there in Georgia. That's that's if, my point. If I, and if why I, the fuck I, does a Japanese promotion have a title called the U.S. title anyway? It makes no sense. Well,
1: that's weird. But (laughs) if I recall correctly,
0: the original tournament for that
1: uh, was all U.S. Gaijin, if I recall correctly. I might have to go look up. I might be wrong on that, but I'm like fairly sure.
0: But even that is not as intriguing as if you would have had an international title and had this half be all Gaijin and this half be all Japanese or whatever. That would have been cooler to me. And I think more more people would have been into that. And then it would have made it would have made sense you could defend it anywhere anybody can hold it it makes sense no one can be like hey that's kind of dumb that a Japanese promotion has a US title and then I it's mean, being defended by a fucking Brit against a Canadian that that doesn't make any sense or you could call it a gaijin title if you want I don't give a fuck at this point but it's already too late it's not like I can go back in time <laughs> world gaijin champion over here <laughs> Uh, I mean, fucking Jesus Christ, dude. Like, it just always always bothered me. It's a nitpick. Obviously, it's not like I bring it up on the show all the time. It's just fucking annoying to me sometimes. So the TV title, I get it. TV title, awesome.
1: Um, Okay, so if I, uh, back to the Georgia example, if I've proven that I'm better than everyone in Georgia and I beat the guy who's the number one in Georgia, then I am the champion of Georgia because I've beaten the best that they have. And if somebody else beats me, then it makes sense that they're now the new champion of Georgia. But that match the takes that place in
0: Georgia, is my point. It's, it we're talking territory days. It, Kenny Omega is going to go defend that title in America. Yeah, okay. Okay. He's going to lose it in Japan. That doesn't matter, though. You shouldn't even have the match in... It's somewhere else, if it's a fucking Japanese title or U.S. title, he goes fucking defend it in Japan. That makes no sense anyway. Why does it have to US be defended title? in
1: the? The point is that you're better than the people in the place, not that you defend it in the place. Well, how's
0: he better than the U.S. if he won the fucking title in Japan against a Brit?
1: Because the no, again, no, you just lost, dude. This started no, this started as a as far as I remember, it was a tournament with all U.S. people.
0: Was the Was the tournament t- held in the U.S.? I don't remember. I know some matches of it were. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, not, not, not that it matters if everybody was from the U.S. I'm just, I was just curious. Um, but yeah, um, it doesn't matter, dude. Like, if the motherfucker is over in yeah, Japan. Yeah, the
1: inaugural tournament was uh, during New Japan's G1 Special in USA shows in Long Beach, California.
0: Okay, well, you can be the best in the U.S. Okay, all right, that's fine. But as soon as you drop it to somebody else, how are they the best in the U.S.? How is Kenny Omega the best in the U.S. if he won the title first in all, Japan Kenny against Omega a British is, wrestler?
1: Is the best in the U.S. First of all.
0: So the title is oh, fine okay. right now. All right. Well, uh, that's good. That's a good conversation for another day. No,
1: it's not. It's a conversation yeah, it right really now because it's on
0: topic. It really is. Are you, are you going to name somebody in the U.S. who's better? Danielson. <laughs> better at what? Getting his neck broke. Shut what the up. fuck? What do you mean better at what? What are we talking about? Wrestling. <laughs> 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 uh,
1: I like Danielson. I'm just fucking around. Um, All right, so, man. We're uh, way off topic here. Yeah, but anyway.
0: Let's talk about the Okada match. I mean, the uh, Omega match. That's the only thing we haven't really talked about that was like stand out. And of course, we got to talk about it. I'm wearing the Omega shirt today, actually. Oh, uh, look at that! My hero, Kenny Omega. Yeah, all night. Um. Okay. So, what did you think of one, the two entrances? Because that was a big deal. Um, with the uh, elevated song from Will Ospreay, I definitely wasn't expecting. And then, of course, the Final Fantasy music from Omega Justice Sephiroth, which was really cool. I'm surprised he hasn't done that before, actually, because he's such a big fan. Um, but uh, from the entrances to the the way that the match was that brutal, uh, and they were hitting the fuck out of each other, it was crazy. No, I didn't notice any real botches or slips. I don't know if you did or not. Um, but that match was fucking, I think Meltzer, you said Meltzer gave it a 6.25 or something like that. Um, but I do remember that there was an excerpt from his show that said that he thought they held back a little bit. And they still got a 6.25. So uh, someone, someone that's followed both of their careers a lot more closely than most, you. Uh, what did you think of it, personally?
1: I thought it was the best match of Osprey's career, for sure. Um, I don't know that it was the best of Kinney's. I think that Meltzer has a pretty good read on comparisons to the Okada set of matches. I agree with him that it probably wasn't it probably wasn't better than number four of the Okado Omegas. Um, the match itself was great. Like there's a lot of memorable spots from it. Um, a lot of times you watch a match and you, you walk away from it, and you're like, "Okay, that was a really good match. I enjoyed watching it, how I felt watching it, all that. But if you're asked to recall like a specific spot that you really liked or whatever, you might have like one or two. There were so many of this match. just crazy amount of spots in this match. The Kreutz Wrath from the top rope. The turnbuckle DDT on the exposed turnbuckle. Smashing his face through the table. Doing the stomp through the table. Like all that shit was like so good. And there was so much of that throughout the match. The the Kamigoye to finish. Like the fucking uh, Osprey hitting the Styles Clash on him. Like there was a lot of really cool callback type stuff in that match. And. Another thing, too, back to the entrances for a second. Everybody was, like, so hype on the the Omega entrance and it was really cool and all that. They probably paid a shit ton of money to square Enix to even do that. Um, But I felt like it overshadowed Osprey's entrance, which was also really cool. Um, The whole, like, coming up out of the elevator thing, the the theme change, like, all that shit. Um, It felt like... We talk about like WrestleMania and Wrestle Kingdom in sort of the same vein sometimes because there's so much, like, pageantry involved. And that's what it felt like to me. Like, it felt like a huge deal because of all the, the pageantry with the entrances. And then once I got into the match, like, super hard hitting, um, a lot, like I said, a lot of memorable spots, a lot of, like, there, there were a couple times where I was like, ah, fuck, like, I wish he had sold that a little bit more before going to the next sequence. But even still, that 30 minutes just, like, flew by. It was, like, so quick. Um, by the time they they got to that point, I um, I I've, I've watched that match three times now. Uh, I watched it live, I watched it again the next day, and then I watched it again like a week later, and it holds up like every time. It's a great match. Um, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Whoever. I. I didn't get the sense that they were holding back, but you know I I could see. I could see seeds being planted where it's like, okay, we're going to do this in this match and it's going to hit. And then in match two, you're going to counter it when I try to do the same thing or shit like that. Like you could see where they're, they're sort of laying that out, um, with a lot of the, the spots. So I, I think it deserved all the praise it got. I thought it was a great match for both of them. I thought it was probably Osprey's best match. Um, I, was, I wasn't I was sure. This is the other thing, too, that kind of set it apart from the Okada J. White one. For me, I didn't know who was going to win going into it. I figured they probably weren't going to bring Kenny back to have him lose and that they could always do the story where Ospreay gets really dejected and tries even harder and comes back and wins it eventually and like proves himself. And Kenny gives him the pat on the back and I'm like, oh, yeah, you did it, kid. They could have done that. But they also could have just had Ospreay fucking beat him. Because Osprey's been carrying that company for years and wanted to show, like, no, I do deserve to be here, and just do that straight from the jump. So it could have gone either way. Um, I think the ending sequence with all his boys out there, like, holding him as he's, like, realizing, you know, fuck, I lost, and, like, reaching for the title, and Kenny just standing over him and shit. That was all cool. Um, I I had high expectations for it, obviously, and it even went above that, so... That's, that's what I thought would be Omega.
0: Do you think they're setting Osprey's up for a trilogy, like Meltzer thinks? Yeah,
1: probably. Because at some point, they have to get the belt either back on Osprey or at least give Osprey's win back. So they're not just going to leave it at that for sure. It'll either be two matches or three. I can see them doing three matches where they kind of mirror, or even four matches, where they kind of mirror the story with Okada, where now Osprey is in the Omega position. Where he loses and now he's expected to lose because he's just not as good, just not as good. Then gets a draw and then finally wins. Like, I could see them doing that for sure. And then that'd be like a nice little storytelling arc where it, you know, matches up and everything. Um, but the thing about the Okada Omega stuff is that it never seemed personal. It was always just like, this guy's considered the best and I wanna be the best. And we've had really competitive matches because he's the best and I wanna be the best. This, you could throw in a lot of extra shit with this. You could have, like, Kota Ibushi stuff get involved because apparently shoulder's back at, like, 90%. Like, there's a there's a lot you can do with this that makes it a lot more, like, emotionally gripping than the Omega Ikata stuff was, which is only emotionally gripping in, like, the back and forth of their matches and not so much the outside-the-ring stuff.
0: So, what do you think about the Kota Ibushi comments about saying basically that he can't work with Kenny if he's going to be working with New Japan still, though. Like, clearly there's still a bad blood between Kota and New Japan. Um, I don't know if that's how I read that
1: as much as I read that he isn't, he might not like how they would want to book that, maybe? I think he was more hinting, like, he wants to come over and do some AEW stuff, is how I read that, but...
0: Yeah, but do you I think know, like, if he came over it. to AEW, that would hurt the relationship between New Japan and AEW?
1: No, I don't think so. Not really, because I think they realize they kind of fucked up with the Kodobushi situation too, and they've already publicly apologized for it and all this other stuff. So him wanting to go work somewhere else and picking somewhere that they have a relationship with, I don't think is really going to hurt them that much.
0: All right, so uh okay, so do you think six point two five is fair? Do you or you like? Do you not like the extra star type deal, or would you just gave it five? Or what's the deal here?
1: I've, I've never had a problem with the extra star system, because over time, what used to be a five is going to get surpassed. You have to do it in the context of its time, to some extent. So if you were doing like a strict five star, obviously it would be a five star. But the problem with that is the quality of matches over time, like since he started that rating, has come up so much that you can't say that Omega and Okada was just as good as some five star. I'm like fucking, you know, some old five star shit. Your flare steam movements or whatever like not that they were bad matches but they're just not comparable. It's just not comparable in the same way.
0: Do we um, yeah, I get what you're saying. Do you like um do you think that we see Osprey kick out of the one-wing and Angel if they do do a trilogy?
1: It would have to be the last match of it and the one where he wins for that to happen. Um I could see Kenny liking and respecting him enough to have that happen. I think a lot of their their heat is very much like a competitive sort of rivalry but not nearly as like mean as it comes off in kayfabe um because he was even putting him over backstage when he was there for the the aussie open three-man shit he said something like you know if it was that thing that everybody got all fucking butthurt about about like you know i would i would have hired half of you um and we've got a guy over here who's coming in who like make, puts all of you to shame like and so he clearly has a lot of respect for his ability and stuff um I think he just wants him to be better uh, as far as, like, not just doing a lot of spot stuff, which is fucking crazy. It's so funny that people will accuse Kenny Omega or the Bucks or whatever, like, having no psychology and all that bullshit. But really, like, that's his issue with Osprey is that he feels like that's the issue in the Osprey matches. It's almost like a generational thing. It's like every generation before them thinks that they're not doing enough psychology. Um, But, yeah, uh, I, I can see them doing that. I can see them doing that. If if it's, like, the last in the three-match or four-match set, um, like, he finally just, like, wants it bad enough that he kicks out of it. And I don't think he would probably... I never understood the,
0: the Young Bucks' hate on the psychology aspect of wrestling matches either. Like, unless you're just literally watching PWG matches, yeah. it doesn't make any sense because everything they've done in AEW and most of the stuff they've done in Ring of Honor, there's clearly story behind all these matches. And they do little nuanced stuff that, I guess, if you're not paying attention, because you're probably not, because you just want to hate on somebody, and you're not actually paying attention to the match, that you miss. So Matt,
1: Matt Jackson has been selling his back injury for, like, three fucking years straight. And everybody just, like, their misses back, it their all ankle, the time. Their
0: foot, all I mean, they sell shit all the time, especially when it's, even when it's, like, real-life injuries that don't really hurt and you can still go to the ring, they still sell it. They still yeah. sell it. Well, the whole thing with the hammer and all that shit, like... Nick Jackson legitimately broke
1: his toe, like pretty early in the series of seven, and kept wrestling with it. And they turned it into a an angle, and started having you know the hammer shots to the foot and all that shit. Like people are weird; they don't they're Yeah, it's it's got to be they're just not paying attention, or they're just like, oh, they're they're so acrobatic that there must not be a story here. They're like overlooking it for everything else. Like they can't pay attention to two things at once,
0: Well, they just never been involved in a sport that uh gives you adrenaline, adrenaline at all. Because, just because my back hurts, if I got fucking, like, and you hear people talk about this even after their career. Austin still talks about it on his podcast and stuff. Like, they miss that rush. There's a reason why they can't find that anywhere else. There's a reason why wrestling is so hard to let go if you're someone like a Ric Flair or a Hulk Hogan or something like that. Because those fucking reactions get you fucking pumped up no matter how much pain you're in. So, like, I don't think they really comprehend that
1: either. I saw somebody complaining about, um, so in the last match of the best of seven, Pat gives Omega a Falcon arrow on the outside. And it takes him probably like 30 seconds to get back up and recover and get back in the ring. And people are complaining like he should have sold that longer. It was a Falcon arrow to the outside. It's like, yeah, but Falcon arrow people will pin immediately after and kick out of it at fucking two. So to the outside times 10, 20 seconds to get up. It's not really that unreasonable. And it's not like he stopped selling it when he got back in the ring either. Like, just little shit like that that people try to nitpick and it's like, what you're saying doesn't really make sense.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing. Is like, okay, so we watch we watch Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter beat the shit out of each other, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, what does JR always say? It only takes three seconds. Well, if motherfuckers are kicking out of moves at two, mm-hmm. then what makes you think they should be selling these moves for 20, 30, 40 seconds, a minute out of the ring if they were going to kick out at two anyway because it wasn't a finisher?
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, and I get it, like, it definitely should hurt, but it's not like a falcon arrow is going to knock you out either, you're landing on your shoulders, and your back, you might get the wind knocked out of you, but, like, I don't know, it's so like, By that oh, logic, fuck, I should be able to back. go
0: to wrestling, and my finishing move should be a suplex.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, a lot of it is too, like, you, again, that 50 plus demographic that's all Jake the Snake doing DDT, and that's the end of the fucking match, like, bro, it's not like that anymore.
0: I agree. All right, let's move it on. So, Wrestle Kingdom, uh, like letter grade, what would you give it for this year? Wrestle Kingdom seventeen.
1: That was an A for sure. That was a great show all around. Even the even the prelim stuff was great. Um, a little disappointed that Master Wado didn't win. I felt that he had it in the bag, but uh, you know, I did not. Year,
0: I and I was happy. That gave was, that gave it. Hey, that gave it an a. They,
1: they gave him a pretty fucking close false finish though. Did you see that? I was like,
0: oh shit, my boy. My boy on top. What do you think, uh, while we're still talking about, before I forget, Desperado from Suzuki Gun, Goon, or whatever, where do you think he goes? They were were kind of talking about that, like a lot of people would be interested in him, but they didn't really lean one way or the other, like, because he's not big enough to have his own stable, obviously, because he's a junior heavyweight, right? So, where do you think he actually goes? Do you think he goes to Chaos? Do you think he goes to New Faction? Um,
1: I know that he does a lot with a uh, Starlight Kid uh, in the stardom stuff. Like they do a lot of mixed stuff, and they have a lot of crossover merch and shit like that. So he might be involved over there for a little bit. I don't know. You uh, could do a lot of stuff with him. Uh, He—I I don't know
0: how old he is, but he comes. What off was the reason crazy. that Suzuki goon is gone and disbanded? Because Suzuki is retiring. Oh, so he actually is. Okay, that's what I figured, but I didn't know. Like they don't have like an exact date or anything, that right?
1: No, 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 no. He's just he's, he's on his way out, so he's just like okay, I'm done running a bunch of fucking hoodlums I'm out of here. <laughs> the, he's not gone gone yet, but the, I
0: work with the fucking whole children. Story is like
1: done. Yeah, I'm, I'm old. I'm tired. I work
0: with fucking children. Is, yeah. is storyline. All right. Yeah. So uh, speaking of AEW, let's go ahead and move over to the new look AEW. What did you think of the new look AEW before we get into the last couple weeks of Dynamite? Um, I have been on record saying I'm not a huge fan of the red and blue. Um, mm-hmm. And and then, of course, you have people like, oh, it's just two colors. It doesn't mean they're WWE. But it does, though. But it does. There is a connection. Like, when you have SmackDown and Raw that have been around for fucking 30-plus years and 20-plus years, that matters to me. Like, that's that's literally when they brought out the promo, that's the first thing I thought. I was like, Bro, man, that's... Their, that's really their original like yellow shit yellow.
1: was black and gold, and that was NXT Forever too. so we are we going to complain about that? Yeah, like well,
0: see, they call it black and gold, but it really was black and yellow. When AEW came out, that was different. It, it did look different. And the black and gold, I still think, is the better look. The all-white logo is not really popping out for me either. Um, The set and stuff, I don't have a problem with the set and stuff. No, I, I was never a huge of, fan. The screen set was great. I do, yeah. I do like the... A lot of people hated that they got rid of the t- double tunnel, but there were so many people that used to hate on the double tunnel in TNA, and thought it made no sense. And now why you're mad that it, why the would double it tunnel have to go a out a different
1: ready. door. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, it's like Well, an old they were really, movie, really right, right behind each other. Why wouldn't they be fucking fighting each other in the back? I get the double tunnel thing from a logical standpoint, right? From a yeah. kayfabe standpoint, I get well, it. The bad guys stay in one locker room. And the yeah, guys <laughs> <play> <laughs> yeah, well. exactly. Well, I do like the uh, the way that Wrestle Kingdom had their shit set up. They come out, and when the match is over, they left out the other way. There was another ramp. Yeah. And they just bounced. And I was like, oh, that's fucking kind of badass. And they don't have to walk to the back and get in everybody else's way. You just walk out. I thought that was pretty cool. I think they, they should do something like that. I mean, that takes away seats, obviously. It takes away seats, but, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh-huh. what do you think about the, the the new set and stuff like that? Because they did hire the, the guy from WWE, right? So one of the dudes that was working with, he was going to take over um, Kevin Dunn's position if he ever left or whatever. He was like the second in command, the coach and waiting type deal, but he ends up leaving. He gets hired by AEW. So uh, thoughts on the initial thing that he's doing with the new year? I don't, I
1: don't mind the red and blue thing as much as you do. I think it looks good. I'm, I'm a big fan of the screen setup. Um, the universal entrance is fine for me. I, the tunnels, we're okay, but then it started to break the fourth wall a little bit. Like even Danielson at one point said, "Ah, you didn't think I was gonna when he was teasing the Claudio debut. He's like, "Oh, you didn't think I was gonna tell you today. did you I, you saw what tunnel I came out of? So that kind of stuff. like it's funny, but at a certain point it does be, it start to strain some of the the suspension of disbelief. Um, like who the fuck cares what tunnel you walk out? because well, I'm, I'm mean I'm gonna go out the other tunnel when I leave, And I'm like, so beat up but I still remember which tunnel I'm supposed to leave out of. Like, it's stupid. Um, So, yeah, I I don't mind them getting rid of that. I think the screen setup is great. They can do a lot of stuff with that. A lot of the entrances last week, because they had such a huge screen setup, they were able to do so much stuff with it. And also, when somebody's a champion, they put the belt up on the big center screen in the back and then still have their normal shit on the outside. I think that's cool. Um, Yeah, I I like it. Um, I kind of wish and maybe this is like a nostalgia thing and wouldn't work today, but I've seen some mashups where I I think it does work, but there's way too much reliance on like pop type music or like hip hop type music or like rap rock shit. I think wrestling really works best to like rock tracks. Like if you remember a lot of the old like SmackDown entrances um, and a lot of the raw intros and shit like that, the best ones were when it was on like this like fucking mid 90s early 2000s like butt rock sounding shit like i would never listen to those songs by themselves but as a backdrop to the like the video packages, shit like it just looks and sounds way cooler so maybe go more in that direction we'll see what i can say like, that
0: but. i can say the same thing for that like um like wwe's pay-per-view themes back then in the 2002 to 2005 were fucking amazing when they do the video packages for the pay-per-view and it's the official song or whatever you got the rob zombie and the static x and the disturbed and the slipknot and the Marilyn manson and shit like that way better fucking stuff than that limp biscuit back then obviously the the most hyped one that everybody talks about all the time is rock and stone cold with uh limp biscuit which is one of the coolest things um which and and again that's a song
1: i would never listen to by itself but for yeah. some reason, as a backdrop to a wrestling like video, it just works.
0: Yeah. So then, uh, and then of course you, in AEW, the my favorite one is obviously Cinderella with Adam Page and Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know what you got till it's gone. Even though it's a slower song and it's a ballad by Cinderella, it still worked and it was awesome. Um, so even for intros like Across the Nation by uh, Oh shit, I forgot their name now. But Across the Nation, which is my favorite Raw intro of all time. Um, damn, I forgot the name of the band now. Oh, I'm so pissed. Um a lot of people a lot of people like the um Papa Roach uh, to be loved song. I don't like that uh, as a the Union intro as much, though. but what who's the who's the Across the Nation band? Do you remember? The Union Underground. Yeah, yeah, Union Underground. That's right. Okay. And I actually did start listening to them because of that, honestly, because I was like, well, I wonder if they have anything else. But anyway, that that's my favorite intro is Union Underground's Across the Nation. Um but then of course you had on SmackDown, you had the disturbed I mean not disturbed, uh Drowning Pool. They had a Johnny Pool intro. They had a Marilyn Manson intro. Beautiful People was, used to be the uh, intro for that. They had a Rob Zombie song used to be the intro for SmackDown at one point. Yeah, I agree totally that those songs work better. Um, speaking of backdrop songs, what do you think of uh, Tony Khan using the old NBC NBA uh, <laughs> shit for the for the best it, of seven stuff?
1: It was pretty funny. Also, it worked really well when they started treating it like a sports broadcast. Every time Excalibur would flip onto like sportscaster mode, every time he started talking about it. And also, on Being the Elite, you had the um, Daniel Garcia with uh, Private Party doing their uh, little recaps and, like, the prediction show and whatever the fuck. I thought it was really funny. It worked really well. Um, I, I don't know how long he has rights to that, but it'd be interesting if they just do that for every best of seven the series. Like... Going forward? They might best do of, any, that. best
0: of any series, yeah. Best of three, best of five, best of seven. I think that would be yeah. hilarious if they used that all the time too. I think it's family, funny, but Yeah. People didn't like it. Yeah, so there's a lot of people it. that weren't huge fans of it, but I, I like it. You had to you had to grow up in a very
1: specific time to understand it again.
0: Um, okay, so speaking of Best of Seven, obviously that was the big deal this past dynamite. Because it was the mini-pay-per-view. But before we get to the mini-pay-per-view, let's talk about Darby and Samoa Joe, which was the main event of the week prior. Darby beat Samoa Joe in Seattle, his hometown. Um, fans went fucking nuts for him and Brian, by the way. I always, well, Seattle fans are fucking nuts anyway. But that that crowd the last two weeks in Seattle and Portland were fucking great. I mean, not Seattle and Portland. Portland was a rampage. Uh, so Seattle, Portland, and then last week for the LA Forum were fucking great. Great crowds. Um... I really think that Tony Khan needs to utilize them more often like he does with Chicago. Um, so what did you think of Darby winning the title from Samoa Joe? Did you think it makes sense? See, part of me was like, oh, that's really a really cool moment for Darby, and I get it because him beating Samoa Joe makes more sense than him beating Wardlow, right? But I also am under, under the impression that I was really getting into the king of television character from Samoa Joe. Yeah. I thought his promos were really fucking funny and good and intense and shit. And then to really just end that that quickly was kind of like, ah, damn, I feel great for Darby. It was an awesome moment with the fans, and it was cool when Sting came out and gave him the hug, because I really thought Darby was going to turn on him a sec- for a second, but that didn't end up happening. It was cool. Um, but uh, but then on the other hand, it's like, fuck, man, Samoa Joe is just, I felt like Samoa Joe was just getting going. And yes, he still has the ROH title, TV title or whatever. But still, I was like, king of television. It was such a great character. And he was like really leaning into it hard. So uh, thoughts on that main event from two weeks ago.
1: I did feel like it cut Joe's thing short, like kind of right when it was hitting its stride. Uh, So I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of that. But I do like that AEW does something that WWE doesn't do, which is when somebody's like in their hometown, they're pretty high up on the card, they're really over person, especially in that city. They don't fuck them over for heat. Like, it's not like, that's the stupidest shit. Why would somebody go back to your city if there's going to be, and pay for a ticket next time your show comes through, if they think, oh yeah, like, I want to go see my hometown guy, he's going to get shit on because then we'll boo. Like, it's so stupid. And on the occasions when you do want to do that and do want to build some genuine heat, like in a city or for a character or whatever, you building the expectation, like, hey, we normally put guys over in their cities. The time that doesn't happen whoever ends up fucking that guy over to win or whoever ends up beating him or whatever does actually get, like, a good amount of heat. It's not just bullshit that you do every time to, like, oh, we're making heat. It's stupid. It's bully race shit. So that was cool. Um, I One thing you didn't mention that I was surprised you didn't, I feel like it makes Wardlow look bad. Like, it, it's not a great look for Wardlow because Wardlow just went through that whole thing, got his fucking ponytail cut off, no retribution at all yet, and then gets shit on by Samoa Joe, loses that match. Darby comes out, what, like the next week or week after? And beats him for the same title. It didn't look great. Didn't feel great. Made Wardlow's whole TNT run kind of feel weird to me. They might be setting up for him to go take the ROH title. Who knows? But I didn't feel great about the way that it made Wardlow feel. I do
0: agree with that because the ROH title thing, right? Because they're going to need star power for Supercar to honor, right? And obviously Samojo is going to have to defend the title on it to make that happen. So I would not be shocked if Wardlow came and and took, and took the title off of him. But there's another part of me that's like, why are we punishing Joe for being good again? You get what I'm saying? Like, And, not, and I don't mean good as in the ring, because he's always good in the ring. But on the mic, he's hit and miss, honestly, for me, as far as a character goes. But he's really been killing it on the King of the Mountain shit. I, I, or King of Television, I mean. King of the Television. It's been really fucking super entertaining to me. Like I laughed every time that he did a promo, and not just because it was—I didn't think it was corny or funny or anything. It's just like, holy shit, this is really fucking good. Um, really same same aspect that we were getting from the Miro vibes, right? Like Miro doing the backstage pre-recorded stuff was just so fucking good, right? So that's that's the kind of feeling I got with the Samoa Joe stuff. Um, but here's the thing about the Samoa Joe thing: if Wardlow comes and beats him, you completely kill Samoa Joe back-to-back, back, right? He loses both titles when he was hitting his stride as a character on on TV in AEW. Now, the only thing that I would say is if you're doing this because you want to bring Samoa Joe on AEW TV for good and away from Ring of Honor because you've got this deal in place with New Japan, okay, I get it. That's that's fine with me, right? Because you can't get on TV and maybe you use Samoa to try to help you get leverage for a network because like we were saying, they were putting it all on their big stars, the Jericho, the Joe stuff like that, FTR, right? Mm-hmm. So that made sense. But now, if that didn't come to fruition, and now your thing is, hey, we're going to have a joint thing with New Japan, but maybe I don't want Samoa Joe fighting a bunch of New Japan people that are going to knock his fucking head off when he has a history of concussions and other injuries and stuff. And he's
1: 43. Like, yeah. a lot of people forget that, too. You don't he's need to be traveling
0: not, as right. that much either. Yeah, exactly. So, so if you want to put him back on regular AEW programming and be like, okay, this is your spot now, I get it. And also, out of the two options between Darby and Wardlow, you're clearly putting Wardlow in Ring of Honor, not Darby. Right. So, from that standpoint, I don't have a huge issue with it if Wardlow comes to Supercard of Honor and beats him. If Wardlow comes to Supercard of Honor and loses to Samojo, then I don't know what the hell we're doing with Wardlow at that point.
1: Right. Have him do a heel turn where he goes back to work with MJF. <laughs> I don't
0: That'd know. be fucking hilarious.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's like, um... Yeah, I feel the same way. I don't think you can have him lose another match to Joe. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be for the title. Joe can lose the title to somebody else in some long run, or Wardlow can be the reason he loses it, and then that set up something that he gets his win back. But they have to do something. They can't just leave it at that. Man got his haircut in the middle of the ring, got fucking embarrassed, He lost the match, like, and then you just have, have the guy that did that lose the next week. It's not a good look. It doesn't look good at all.
0: All right, what do we think about the? Okay, that was the week before, and I can't really recall anything else happening in that. That was like the big moment. I mean, it was a it was a good show. You had Brian beat. Um. The Huh? Are you,
1: t- are you talking about the No, that was you? this past week. Um. So that was Ethan Page. The week before, right?
0: Yeah, I think it was Ethan Page. I yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Ethan Page. Yeah. No, it was a tag team match, right? Him and Moxley versus Top Flight, maybe. December 28th was the... Or was, that a, or was that a Rampage?
1: Brian Danielson versus Ethan Page was... That was on the 28th of December, so...
0: So it had to be him and Moxley versus... We're talking about Wednesday the 4th. Yeah. So we're talking about the January 4th show. I'm pretty sure yeah, he teamed they, up a month. wrestled
1: yeah, they wrestled top flight. On yeah. The, well, no, so that would have been the that would rampage, that was the sixth. But he did, he did Tony Nice. Oh like, yeah, it's Tony
0: Niece. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because he came out talking shit. Tony Niece came out talking shit Okay, yeah. yeah, 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 All right. So yeah. So then of course he had the easy win against Tony Niece mm-hmm. in the home in the home crowd and fucked everybody up. What else happened on that show? Do you remember?
1: So long ago. Um
0: I got, we, I, clearly, the Darby Samojo thing was the big thing. I think that's the show where Hook came out to help out Jungle Boy as well, and everybody popped, which is pretty cool. Oh,
1: uh, Ricky Starks and Jericho.
0: Ah, yes, and Ricky Starks won. Yeah, yeah, um, that was pretty cool. Fans went nuts for Ricky Starks, so that was awesome.
1: The tag title match for Acclaimed and then Jeff Jarrett, and Jay Lethal.
0: Um, yes, where everybody thought Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal were going to win, and were they were booing the fuck out of them, dude, when they won the titles? That was great. I don't, I don't necessarily want to see Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal with the tag titles, but that was so funny to me. I was like, uh, "This is kind of badass." I'm not going to lie. And for some reason, with Jeff Jarrett, I don't get the same uh, disappointment oh. when he wins or does something cool. Right? Like it's weird to me. Like if that was, uh, if that was Ric Flair in that moment. I would have been like, this is fucking stupid. But for Why some, is this
1: old some, guy taking over spots? Yeah, I feel, but, but you with you don't Jeff feel like Jarrett, Jared I don't,
0: because I don't know. Because he's in shape, I guess. Because he can still talk. Because he can still wrestle. He can still move. I don't but know I, what it is, but he just has something about him. I'm like, yeah, let's go, dude. Like, I'm, I'm okay with this.
1: What I've said before about Jarrett is that Jarrett is fine as a wrestler when he's not booking himself. If you have somebody else book him and he actually loses and doesn't just fucking take over everything... And like gets to play like a good heel that where he's got some direction from the outside. He isn't picking, like, oh, I want to be champion now. All that kind of shit. He's great. Like he's really good on the mic. He's still he's still solid in the ring. He's not like, you know, he's not he's never been like a huge work rate guy. But like he's solid in the ring. He's really good at drawing heat. Um, that whole uh Jay Lethal tag team match with uh Rick Flair and Andrade was where I was first like, oh shit, like he can he can still actually People fucking hate him. He's very easy to hate. He can still wrestle really good. He took care of re- pretty much the whole match. Like, sure, have him in there. But I will say when he first came back, my concern was like, oh, fuck, we're doing the TNA thing. You're bringing in Jarrett into an office position and then putting him on television, and he's going to book himself into shit. He's going to, like, use his politics, like, whatever. But so far that hasn't been happening, except unless you want to say that it's happening because he's putting himself in a prominent spot against the tag team champions that he maybe doesn't deserve to be in but as long as he's still losing i don't give a shit also it's entertaining
0: also it's not like he's beating ftr he beat the Acclaim, which is a homegrown still really young tag team it's not like Acclaim couldn't recover from losing to jeff jarrett a legend a hall of famer and jay lethal right so that's the other thing i was thinking about but the other problem with the the other or the other thing i don't have an issue with that a lot of people have the issue with is him even having a backstage role i don't Look at all the people he's, he brought in TNA, dude. He he can scout talent. Yeah, he can bring well, people in. Like he knows well, what, he knows what a good wrestler is. His role
1: is apparently to work with the live event circuit because that's what they had him doing in WWE. Yeah, so but I'm saying like so everybody
0: it. that gets to talk to Tony Khan can throw ideas his way though and suggest yeah. stuff. So it doesn't even matter that that's his role. Like that's fine. Um, which by the way, I don't. I hope they don't go to too many live events. I get the live event thing, but it's part of me is like, hey, let's not let's not go too fast too soon as right. well not um, just
1: for not just because money reasons or anything like that but you know injury prone stuff like you, you, i get that people want to do more work there's a reason but there why people went elevation. over there and
0: like that schedule yeah. like let's not yeah. let's not run them into the ground type deal i understand you have a huge roster i get it that, that makes sense but there's also people that are like hey if i'm not seeing omega four times a night then i'm not going to your show so like uh, you're running a slippery slope there um but the other thing is like i said jeff jarrett got AJ Styles, Jeff Jarrett got Samoa Joe, Jeff Jarrett got Christopher Daniels and Bobby Roode and James Storm. Like he knows, um, he knows talent when he sees it. So like, I don't have an issue with him, you know, possibly like, Hey man, this guy over here on the indie scene, I worked with him a couple of times. He's fucking really good. We might want to think about bringing him in now. That's going to be less likely now because most of the indie guys are gone right so like it's not you're not there's not too many diamonds in the rough out there anymore with these two companies having fucking over 120 people on their rosters but you get what I'm saying though like he he has more beneficial he has more pros than cons is what I'll say to bring him in
1: yeah um, and like i said as long as he's not in a position where he has influence over his own booking he's usually fine
0: yeah as long as he didn't take over Cody's spot we're good um so anyway the Jared-verse. let's talk about the new let's talk about the new though the new new the new show so we mentioned it before because I'm wearing the Omega shirt. The final match in the best of seven, um, which was the main event of last week, uh, the Elite beat uh, Death Triangle, and now they are officially the new trios tag team champions. Uh, thoughts on Death Triangle's short run um, and uh, where do we go from here because House of Black didn't show up to do anything yet. So are we assuming that they're going to go the... Elite versus House of Black route, though?
1: House of Black is still in the middle of the, all the Eddie Kingston shit right now, so who knows for how long that's going to take to play out. But I'm assuming maybe Santana comes back at some point to set up the three-way with them. Um, I don't know. And then maybe they have one of them turn. Do you I don't think, think they worked everything
0: out? Huh? Do you think Proud and Powerful worked everything out with Santana, mm-hmm. Ortiz, and Kingston?
1: Probably not. But also, I mean, what else makes sense? I mean, you bring in Homicide, maybe? I don't know. Um, but they have to have a third at some point. So.
0: What do you think? Uh, what was his injury? Like, how long was he supposed to be out? Is it about time for him to come back even?
1: Ooh,
0: that's a good question. Um, because because I get it. Like, I I would love to see Ortiz and Santana patch things up in Kingston, and that'd be a trio. I think that'd be a cool trio's tag team champion. Uh, you haven't given Proud and Powerful their tag team title run, which we all thought they should have got after the street fight with uh best friends we also think that best friends should have got a tag team run already but i mean like like we've noticed you can't have everybody be fucking tag team champion right away because you have to have long title runs and establish these titles with uh some kind of prestige behind them so i get it but if you put kingston together also somebody that a lot of people will be like hey he's world championship material if you're a big eddie kingston fan hey he should be tnt champion if you don't put the fucking trios titles on those three guys then, what the hell are we even doing at this point? And it's going to be hard to do that with the elite um, being current champions.
1: Jericho said when it happened that he's out eight months. And it happened June 29th. So it's February ish to be about his recovery. Today. Yeah,
0: Revolution, like Revolution pay per view would be because I think Revolution this year is in March. So that was early March. I think we looked that up one time. So. Sometimes it's in February, but most of the time, or sometimes it's in February, or most of the time it's in February, has been, but I think this year it's in March, so that would be but, cool.
1: Yeah, uh, but that's a long time to have this fucking story.
0: That's true, can, too.
1: Uh, that's another two months of this. I don't think I can drag it out that long. We'll see. I mean, he could have an early recovery, too. Like, that's Chris Jericho saying, like, a week after it happened, he's out eight months, but, you know, he could recover faster than that, he could be back in six, who knows? I guess it was yeah, I mean, seven. that
0: was really early, like, right when it happened and got diagnosed and whatever. Like, no one knows it. Like, no one said anything about him possibly having setbacks or anything in his rehab either, so...
1: Nobody said much about him at all, except for pointing out some of the issues that he was I think that's a though. good
0: thing if they are planning on yeah. bringing him back, though. Yeah. The bigger the pop. You know, no he's not even in the headlines and shit. Like, I think yeah, that's a good just, thing.
1: All you gotta do is do this angle where Eddie and uh, Ortiz are having their, like, back-and-forth bullshit, not trusting each other... House of Black like, acting like Ortiz is on their side to get in Eddie's head, like all that. And then they have to do like a two-on-three match or whatever, and they'll like call him out to be their third or whatever, win that. Whatever the fuck they want to be from there, it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, I think that's the thing that makes the most sense. I don't know if he's willing to do it.
0: So we'll Let's see. talk about MJF's first test for Danielson, which was Takeshita. First, before we get to the match, obviously uh, MJF got a lot of feedback i'll say for his promo um did you have an issue with mjs promo and uh if so why if not why um all that kind of stuff
1: it's kind of the same problem that i've been noticing with him the last few weeks nothing crazy it's not like it's you know it's not like he's not a good promo or anything like that but he relies way too much on like really cheap heat sometimes like he does great in feuds where it's there's some personal thing to latch onto, like the CM Punk shit he was great in,
0: Um like the World. Well, shit. if he has he was great if in. he has dirt, real life dirt on these people, it's a lot easier to bring that up, and okay. he comes off looking really good. But there's really nothing on Danielson that you can use. You know get right. what I'm saying? So he kind of deflected it to Keshta, I think. It just
1: it didn't it didn't hit with me. I get what he was doing, and I I'm not one of those people that's like oh like it's. Uh, it's so bad. You shouldn't be having these promos in twenty twenty like that kind of shit. Because I get what he's doing. He's trying to do the old school like cornet disco inferno mentality like promo, and it's like a meta commentary on how shitty that stuff is. I get it. I get what he's doing. It just didn't work for me. I think that's the issue. Like, it's see, I'm not going to say. See,
0: I'm on the other side. I'm on the other side. I thought the promo was great. Um, I mean, I won't say great. The the great part was the end when he was making fun of the celebrities that were there, Freddie right. Prinze Jr. and Kim Jong. That was the great part of the promo. Um, right. The the racist stuff that people are saying, yes, it was, uh, it was tasteless. I'll say that. I don't know if we can go as far as racist. But here's the thing about, and I've always said this on the show, and I said it again on Twitter. Here's the thing about this: is it it annoys me so much, and it's so mind boggling that people view wrestling like we're watching real life shit, right? Yeah. So MJF is not racist, okay? MJF or Maxwell Jacob Friedman, I should say, whatever you want to call him, the the real life person outside of AEW on your TV is not racist. He is playing a character. He like you just said, he is playing to to the the Cornet and Disco Inferno, uh fan base so that they can tune in and watch because hey oh this guy is what we're talking what we've been talking about not knowing that they're getting fucked over because that's exactly what MJF wants you to do to tune in right so he can have your AEW guys and your uh anti uh AEW guys to to watch right so it's it's astounding to me that I we can watch wrestling in in a so much different way from other programming right so if i watch this one show just because it's written and scripted over here and uh like a like a Walking Dead or a Vikings or Blacklist or whatever have you, what ha- what have you. I'm okay with them doing crazy shit because that's not real. But as soon as it's wrestling, which is also scripted, and well documented that it is, no, he's racist. We need to cancel him on, on social media right now. He never needs to work here again. That's fucking outlandish to me it makes no sense
1: i I saw a lot of why would the promotion green like this like it's it's out of touch that's what i saw it wasn't like personally against mjf or like
0: i saw a lot of people saying that he was racist
1: i I saw a lot of people say the promo was racist but their criticism isn't that max is racist their criticism is why is a promo like this being acceptable or greenlit or whatever in 2023
0: well here's my question is why does it matter if it's scripted? If it's not a reflection on the company or that person that's doing it, because he's in a character, why does it matter yeah. over in wrestling? But it doesn't matter in other TV shows that are scripted. Here's that's my weird thing. thing
1: too: I didn't get what the racist part was that he said Kanichiwa. Is that racist?
0: Or is it that racist he that, he, that he made fun of purposely his last name? Did take a shit? Of, yeah, I, yeah, but
1: but people make fun of people's names all the fucking time.
0: Yeah, you, you have people saying, racist, oh, yeah, people coming out there saying, "Oh, you're you're no, in the
1: JES. You're a jazz hole." It's the yeah. same thing. Like it, you're just they gonna play on their name. It's not fucking racist, it's stupid.
0: Yeah, no, I I completely agree with that. I think I think they were both taken way out of context though. Like I get what you're saying like he's clearly going after the cheap heat in the week to week stuff and then like when it gets down to the the meat and potatoes of the story, he'll cut out a really great promo, right? So I get that. Um but you if you're not going to be wrestling every week and you have to come up with material on the mic every week instead because you're making everybody jump through hoops to fight you old school way, right? Which is what he's doing then I don't have a problem with these promos because I view wrestling as a scripted product. I'm not sitting out here saying, "Yeah, Edge you are a fucking asshole in real life because of your whole Rated-R Superstar fucking shit that you were doing." Like I'm not going out there saying, uh uh da 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 da. da. Oh, like you know, like for instance, Jim Ross the fucking hilarious video of Jim Ross just torching Triple H throughout his two thousand two run. Do you hey, you asshole? Asshole? Oh my god. You I hope you bitch. burn in hell. You know, shit like that. You think he's doing that on the outside of that, dude? Like, like what the well, fuck, dude? Like yeah, you guys gotta watch <laughs> wrestling as what it is. It's a scripted TV show, just like everything else. You can't just I understand that it's it's weird because it looks like it's real people talking and it's whatever. Um because it's live, right? That's I, I guess that's the one difference. It's live, but that well, shouldn't matter, dude. It's still a scripted you, you show. It's a, it's nothing. It's like Saturday live Night Live or, or Mad TV. Like it's live, yeah, but it's still scripted. Like you cannot look at this at sure, at it like these are listen, real fucking. Here's the
1: thing, though. If thoughts. if Saturday Night Live had a had a skit that ended up coming off racist, you would get the same criticism.
0: You do you think Saturday Night Live hasn't had any racist uh Skits. I think
1: I think they get backlash for it when they do now, yeah.
0: Because well, they're still like, around.
1: It's like I understand, and
0: so and those it's, it's, those it's, characters aren't getting, or those actors or uh, well, hosts or whatever you want to call them, uh, aren't getting fucking blasted to the point where hey, they just lost their job, which is what people are calling for on Twitter. Which is my point. It's like he's not racist; he shouldn't lose his job.
1: I think part of it again. I don't know what you've been seeing, but everything I've been seeing is not calling for Max to get in trouble or lose his job. It's all about why would the, why would the promotion green light this and allow it to happen? Because it is. Because
0: it's not real.
1: (laughs) I understand. I'm giving you their argument called steel manning. You're making the strongest. Just
0: like you you said, he's trying to get cheap heat. That's what they want. They want the reaction. They want you to hate him. What better way to hate him?
1: Yeah. I, it just didn't connect with me. I thought it was, I thought that sometimes the heat can be too cheap. It's like when somebody comes out there and oh your sports team sucks. Like, okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, everybody does that, though. Like, I get it. I get that. That's, that's, that, see, that to me is cheap heat. It's coming out there and saying konnichiwa really slowly for him. That doesn't, that's not cheap heat to me. That's not cheap heat. Well, I just think that the, the take shit. By the thing, way, and I will it wasn't,
1: say this. it was racist. It was just boring. Like, it
0: wasn't clever. I'll say this, though, for real. Like, no joke. Away from the, the scripted aspect of it, I don't care about Tony Khan green lighting it. If Takesha didn't have a problem with it, that's all that matters. Here's
1: here's the thing with that, though. You have a relatively young guy coming into a company who's being asked to do something where he feels like maybe he can't say no to some stuff, too, in his position to him because he's relatively new there. He doesn't have the clout that MJF does. He wants to make sure that everybody likes him and everybody's okay with him and doesn't want to step on any toes. He's going to be more likely to greenlight things that maybe he might not actually be as comfortable with as he's making it sound.
0: Well doesn't that reflect more on him as a person than than not though? No, you're gonna be you're gonna have coercive
1: situations like that in a lot of business environments where you don't want like where you just come in and somebody that's got
0: a Because Takesha can't you. go to WWE, right? He can't go back right. to New would, Japan would, or, or to Japan and DDT. Like no, he can yeah. he, he has leverage, dude. Like let's be real here. I understand. I'm just saying
1: that even if he has that leverage, he might not be aware that he has that leverage. He might not feel like he's reached the status to tell somebody like an MJF no. That's I, what getting I don't. I to. don't. Like, there, is, there is a course of element
0: to it. So. I get what you're saying, but I, I'm not going to fully agree with that. Like that's like he, if he had a problem with it, I promise you, I feel like Takeshita is the type of person that would be like, hey, um, uh, maybe that's not a great idea.
1: Right. I understand. I'm just saying that's a possibility, and why people or that's why that argument doesn't really work because we don't know what's actually just because someone says they're okay with something, in a situation where you're talking to people who have more status than you, doesn't mean that you're always okay with it.
0: But, like, oh, but my problem is people are acting like he went out there and did slant eyes or yeah, something like really I'm egregious not, dude like I, I don't like, I didn't see any part of it as
1: racist saying something in somebody's language is I would not re, I would
0: retweet thing. this stuff on Twitter so that you would see it and then comment on it but like I really don't feel like getting into the goddamn drama Twitter of Twitter weeks. I'm I'm there to post my little opinions here and there and then post the link to our show I, I mean that's what I'm there for dude the like Twitter I'm not weeks. trying to get involved in all, in the social media Twitter world that's not real I mean, really- hey, we're just mad about this for a couple seconds. Like, uh, no one's mad about the you, the war in Ukraine anymore. No one's talking about that. All these wrestling fans that were talking about that all over my fucking timeline, no one's saying shit. That shit has not ended. So, like, I mean, there's they're, they're, just- fake outrage constantly from these people, and I just don't feel like I need to engage in that shit on a daily basis because I already have enough stress and anxiety as it is, and that's just not what I'm on Twitter for, to be real with you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, See people talk about that too, though. But it's the thing. But it's is, always I,
0: something, though. You you understand that, right? Like every time you get on there, especially in the internet wrestling community, which you hate the praise of. But uh every time you get on there, um, it's always something. It's always something, dude. Oh, uh, WWE can't survive without Vince. AEW won't fucking survive another two, three, four years. Now AEW's in the running to buy WWE. You've got uh, even though even though Vince. Leaving WWE was going to kill it. Now everything is praised. Papa H. Papa H this. Papa H that. He's the best booker of the last three months. Six months. It's shit I see constantly. There's always people bitching. The Sasha Banks shit. Um, oh, if... uh Oh, she's definitely coming back to WWE. Then they finally announced that her release. Oh, you're lying. You're lying. You're lying. She's released. Oh, uh well, now that Triple H is in charge, maybe she'll come back. She'll come back. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. You know what you're talking about. She shows up on fucking New Japan after the rooms, Nah, she ain't going to show up on New Japan. I'll believe it when I see it. She shows up. Oh, well, she's probably only going to be there for a couple months and then come back for WWE. Shut the fuck up. Like, you're just getting mad about shit on a daily basis for no reason instead of accepting things for what they are. And I just don't choose to get involved in that on a daily basis because I don't have time for it, honestly.
1: I think the, the worst ones of those are the Sasha Banks isn't going to WWE. She's so good. Uh, Triple H is back maybe she'll come back oh Sasha Banks was in New Japan she was never that fucking good anyway fucker like yeah that's that's things. super annoying those too they did that with
0: the they did that with AW a lot too like Keith Lee and Swerve and stuff like that like uh, yeah they'll never go over there like well, they, don't like, and then they go over there and everybody gets a big problem. like yes finally they're gonna get used right and everything oh they weren't that good anyway fuck oh, you my, dude my
1: favorite thing is like Hint Rho gets brought back and everybody's like oh I bet Swerve wishes he didn't leave now <laughs> yeah
0: what's yeah. Hit Rho
1: doing What they've
0: lately? Hit Row turned heel and looked like shit every week, and fucking Swerve was a tag team champion for most of that time.
1: And And now he's got his own stable in the company. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't have time to get involved in that kind of shit, dude. Like for real. Um. All right. So the other stuff in AEW from this past week. Um. Is there anything else I'm missing? It was a really good show. Oh, the uh, the lack of Sasha Banks that everybody jumped on because Mm -hmm. it was Tony Storm and uh, Soraya versus. uh, Britt and Jamie, which was a really good match by the way. And then Sheeta comes out, and I love the fucking camera angle. Okay, we're talking about the new setup and everything, right? The camera angle of Sheeta throwing that fucking kendo stick on purpose in the middle, like it was the Joker, throwing down, <laughs> throwing down a knife with between two two or three dudes and be like, hey, we got a spot for one of you. Whoever, <laughs> that's what it felt like. It was awesome. Love that camera angle. And she clearly wasn't trying to throw it necessarily to Tony Storm. It was great. I just love that angle. Um, but a lot of people obviously had issues because, uh, quote unquote, the line that everybody's talking about from Brit. And I told you, I said, I would not be shocked if Sasha didn't show up just because she said the line doesn't mean anything. Brit does this all the time, but apparently, oh, maybe, maybe she shouldn't have said the line. Nobody should have greenlit that line. Like, no, that's what they want you to fucking watch the show. Tony Khan never said anything about fucking anything about Sasha coming in, right? He's never done that. Or every time he's done the CM Punk thing or the Kenny Omega thing. Or whatever, when people come back, he he alludes to it in a way that is like, okay, we pretty much know this. He didn't do that with Sasha. He did not do it. Okay? Everybody's basing this off of the Grab City podcast that he did with Will and everybody. And because of his reaction to it when they asked him the question. That's not anything though. Yeah. Alright, so so the outrage to it is because you took your time out of the day to see Sasha come in, and Sasha didn't come in. Oh, were you going to watch the show anyway?
1: He probably also knew that she was going to show up in New Japan and didn't want to spoil anything too heavily to you. That's probably part of it at the time. Yeah,
0: this doesn't mean that Sasha's never going to show up either, by the way. I mean, they do
1: have enough of a working relationship where I wouldn't be surprised And about.
0: why are you mad when he announced the partner just because you assumed that you knew how to book, right? And like, oh yeah, Tony's got to be getting taken out. Thunder Rosa or Sasha's coming in and taking her spot. Now, Now what? Like, no, it doesn't always have to go like that. Just because it's gone that way... 99 out of a 99 times before that in WWE because that's what you're used to it doesn't mean that's how Tony Khan books, dude. He he gave you the fucking partner before you took it upon yourself to assume what the storyline was going to be. Remember and I did too, but I wasn't gonna here. get mad about it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I wasn't mad about it. I literally hey. have the text right here that says, "Hey, I know because you said something about the line from Brit, and I was like, yeah, that doesn't really mean anything to me, and that's exactly what I meant, and th- I didn't have a problem with Sasha not showing up." the the My shit with Sheeta, like, i can, love the shit with shida i'm a big shida fan
1: you can fantasy book like ways around it to where it would still happen all day but i if none of them happen i'm not over here like oh i'm so fucking mad. why like,
0: why would it be a, why would it be a bad thing to go down the road of hey at revolution we have soraya uh soraya uh tony and sasha versus shida Britt, and hater
1: right the originals versus what, what's Gold. what's the
0: problem with that
1: it does seem like they're kind of building toward like an originals versus uh, WWE people kind of with that. So, we'll see. Um, which is crazy because it's not like Tony Storm was in WWE main roster for a super long time or anything. She wasn't there at the same time as Paige. So, whatever. Uh, but it does seem like that's what they're
0: building toward. Um, yeah, it would have made more sense with Athena, but she's already turned heel and doing her own thing with the Ring Honor women's title, so.
1: Which is working out really well, too. Which is, well,
0: yeah, she's great right now. Great, Fire. um,
1: glad to see you're doing something important.
0: Um, the
1: other stuff we had the uh the women's uh street fight match with Ruby Soho and Willow versus uh yeah,
0: that was on Rampage. Yeah, yeah, we can talk uh, about that. Uh, okay. so of course, of course, because we had a street fight for the first time since the end of the previous year, right? You guys got to remember. The first street fight that TJ was in against, um, when they were the faces, against uh, Penelope Ford and The Bunny, was at the end of 2021. Yeah, 2021. It was in December of 2021. Because we were like, because we were saying, or like maybe the beginning of 2022, I can't remember. I want to say it was the end, though, because we had already done the Monster Awards and we were like, oh shit, if that would have happened a little bit earlier, we would have fucking... put that in there for, like, top women's match of the year, but we had already done the Monster Awards show, I'm pretty sure. It was, like, literally, like, the last few days of 2021, I believe. Yeah. Is that right?
1: Yep. Looks like it. Looks like it was, uh, December 30th, 2021.
0: Yeah, literally the last day. Like, well, there's 31 days in December, I'm pretty sure, but, yeah. So we had already done the Monster Awards, and it was, I was like, damn, we can't even use it for next year either. So it's already, like, these people that... Act like the fucking blading of women happen all the time is super fucking annoying. The last one that happened on purpose that we can reminisce about because that's what they're comparing it to is the other tag team street uh, fight match was over a fucking year ago. Also,
1: who cares? Why are women not allowed to blade? I
0: don't good. get that either, dude. No. Like this is so stupid to me.
1: People, they're they're so weird about this. Like you've never seen you've never seen women's like UFC. They bleed there, too. They bleed. You've never seen women bleed on a TV show? Like, as part of the... It makes no sense to me, dude. It... Women should not be a match. Then don't fucking watch it, man. Just don't watch it. Who
0: cares? It's the same thing I say every time we talk about AEW and people complain about a certain type of match or a certain style of match or whatever. AEW has said from the very first press conference, Kenny Omega said when he came in that we are going to deliver you a variety wrestling show. Which means you're going to get high flying. You're going to get brawling. You're going to get death matches. You're going to get street fights. You're going to get all this stuff, dude. You're going to get all of it. They want everybody to have something. That's what they meant when they said AEW is for everyone. Because everyone has something that they like on the show. So complaining about the one part of the show that you don't like doesn't make any sense. Because that's not what they're fucking there for. Yeah, I mean, it's... Anybody
1: complaining about this is just real weird to me. Um, I don't... Because you show, you show the matches, like, classic matches with, like, super bloody faces. You're, um, I mean, not even going, like, Eddie Guerrero level. You could even go, like, um, like the Steve Austin, uh, Bret Hart stuff. Like, the blood added to that so much. Like, it adds to Think the about matches. the
0: first Hell in a Cell match with Shawn Michaels, how much he was bleeding against Undertaker in that match when Kane debuted. You couldn't Every even time- see his fucking face, dude you complain every time Ric Flair bled? No. And if it's because he's a man, like it's a Dusty. fucking
1: cut on your forehead, okay? Like if if you're that squeamish about it happening to a woman and not a man, you're kind of a fucking loser.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't get that. But the the the, the match was really good. I thought the match was really good. I don't I think the first one was still better overall.
1: Yeah, I think so. Too, but this
0: one was good. I think this yeah. one was
1: just I didn't I wasn't as I thought the wrestling in them was pretty much equal, but I think this one was different because there wasn't the same emotional connection between partners with Ruby and Willow as there was in the other match. Um, well, I think
0: that was, I mean, I like that they used that as part of the story too, though, because they used it at the end when she finally gave her the fist bump. My yeah. One of the things I didn't like, and it's a nitpick, obviously, is that they went to the whole uh, Willow get the tables so early. If they would have done that in the ring, I think the pop would have been a lot bigger yeah. with that crowd. Um, I mean, But that's just a nitpick, obviously. Well, they what do you think the about the table spot that everybody be. was like, what the hell, are you okay, Anna J? type deal? Because I, right. I think a lot of people don't understand. Willow actually took the brunt of the table, which is she, what she's supposed to do. But it was like, holy shit, when you saw Anna hit the actual floor, it was a lot lot cleaner than we thought it was going to be.
1: If you watch it uh, from a, both angles and slow it down a bit, what you actually see, Willow takes the force of the bump and then basically puts Anna J down on the ground. It's a little rough, but it's not like she took the whole fall. Most of that fall got broken by the table in Willow's ass. And then it's like a shorter fall down to the ground where she still got pretty good control over. It wasn't like a full free fall down to the ground. It was relatively good looking, actually, which is why she was totally fine after. People freaked out about that spot because they missed the table. Maybe there, there could have been two tables out there stacked up like they do sometimes. But I just felt like, Watching it a couple times because I saw it the first time I saw it, I was like, "Fuck, that looked bad." and I went back and rewatched it. And I
0: was like, "No, that was actually really fucking safe for what it was." The other thing is, is if she wasn't, if something seriously had happened to her. By the way, that was a taped rampage. If something was seriously happened to her, it. they would have cut it. Yeah, they would have yeah. cut it out. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have even seen it. So, yeah.
1: like they did with um, Max boss rap.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've watched that. It was fucking hilarious, dude. I hope he never does that on Dynamite, but it would still be funny. I think the fans would still forgive him or whatever. Like they would still yeah. find it funny and forgive him and do it over. But I thought that was pretty funny because everybody wanted that rap so bad. He probably had so much, uh, so much anticipation with that rap because everybody—that's what everybody was talking about. As soon as uh, the Saudi news came out, they're like, "Oh God, Max Caster, he's not—he's not, he's not uh, booked for Dynamite. He's like, we got to get him on because everybody wanted to hear him fucking bury WWE."
1: I wonder so, if him uh, taking so long to do it fucked up that concrete spot, though. Because when they pushed him into it, it was clearly already hard, whatever it was. It was like plaster repairs or something. So when they push him into it, there's like none of it on their bodies or hands or asses or anything. Like, it doesn't make an impression at all. So I yeah. think it's set before it was supposed to because they had to run it twice. So that kind of sucks,
0: though. But um, it is what, what, what do you think of... Why, before we move on, I do want to ask one more thing. What do you think of the new... Uh, because We're talking about the new setup for the new dynamite, the new look, and whatever. Um, the uh, the ads like the AW ads and everything over the guardrail now. I'm fine they with said it. it. They said it in the broadcast that it was to protect the fans as well because now nothing can really come through it, like feet and hands and shit. um. But yeah, what do you think about that? Are you like, do you like that setup? Do you like all the extra ads and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I, I'm fine with it. It's it kind of reminds me of um like Oops. UFC stuff in a way
0: did you like the I, did you like the way they let, light up the uh, crowd now compared to before
1: a lot of people are complaining about the dark crowds because it made it look empty or whatever I didn't give a shit as long as I could hear them I don't need to see the crowd yeah i didn't I didn't but, really
0: care about the dark crowds either honestly yeah. but I mean I the light crowds I don't want too much emphasis on the crowd because I don't want to have to fucking focus on people in the crowd either like if somebody's standing out dressed up in a costume and shit, like i don't I don't want my attention to die to go right to them every time because they're on the hard cam side you know what I'm saying like so I don't know, it's a it's a give and take thing with me, but I do think that the show overall was definitely brighter as far as lights and shit go.
1: Yeah. I, I like the look of it. I you know what's crazy though, is a bunch of people were like after after Wrestle Kingdom, people were seeing clips of it on Twitter and stuff, they're like, Oh man, the production values for Wrestle Kingdom are so crazy, they're so good, whatever. Bro, it wouldn't take anything to do that same thing for AEW. Like you just change up the camp, like I think a lot of that is um the the filming speed too which gives a little bit of a different look like there's different qualities of camera that film at different frame rates for like movies i think um the studio a24 i think they're called that because they were doing like 24 fps filming for so much shit like stuff just looks different if you film it with different cameras they could fuck with that some too and give it more like a, a movie style presentation if they really wanted to um, i would love like
0: at the next forbidden door because we were talking about this at the last forbidden door because i was like Man, wouldn't it be really cool if two of the turnbuckles were New Japan turnbuckles and two of them were AEW, <laughs> right. right? We remember we, we were talking yeah. about that. I think a lot of I think something else that would be cool is that different cam where the hard cam is on the other side, on the side part, where they do the zoom in when the bell rings, and they do the zoom in, and then they have the fucking match graphic of the two guys up there right when the match starts. I think that would be cool to do in AEW as well at the next Forbidden Door. I thought that's really cool. I love how they do that. They just yeah. zoom in from the all the way back from the crowd into the ring at the and then they ring the bell and then the match graphic comes up. I think that's pretty badass. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would be cool to do at the Forbidden Door too. Cause I, I didn't, the Forbidden Door, I don't know how much each side had to do with it as far as, hey, we're putting all the money into it type deal. Like it felt like an AEW production with New Japan guys in it. Yeah. I would like for the Forbidden Door going forward, if it's just AEW and New Japan next time for new Japan to have more of a feel from their company in it. If that yeah. makes sense. That's why I wanted the two turnbuckles to be new Japan. That's why I think the, the camera coming in at the start of the match with the new Japan style would be awesome. Like just give it some more, uh, some new Japan feel as along with the AW, like really combine the two broadcasts together.
1: What I'm not crazy about with the new Japan camera stuff sometimes is, and I know that I know why they do it, but they do a lot of their filming from the ground into the ring. They don't usually have like a camera guy in the ring as much or on the apron as much it's almost always from the ground whereas in w w e or in uh like uh, a e w for sure you get that guy that's on the camera not looking through ropes, but there's a lot of through rope shots in uh in new Japan which i'm not or like from the bottom like it's a weird down up angle it does it's not it doesn't take away from it too much for me um but I do wish that they would take some some cues from like boxing and stuff, and have like the the higher cameras around it and like on like tracks and shit. I don't know how how big that would be to set up or anything like that. But you remember one of the big things with the XFL that set it apart was the crazy camera angles that they would get on the zipline camera and all that other bullshit. Yeah, and then they like they could set themselves when, apart when so they went under the uh, college, college
0: football ESPN took that a lot too. They took a they took a lot from that because I remember yeah. I went to a. Um, Southern Miss football game long time ago when I lived, used to live here the first time. And we went to a Southern Miss football game and they were using that because it was on ESPN. And uh, I actually got to watch Aaron Rodgers. It was Cal versus uh, Southern Miss and they used that that camera angle, the, the line where the fucking camera was coming down behind him. And I was like, man, that's fucking crazy. So yeah. Alright, let's go to the next topic. We've got to talk about Stephanie McMahon here we made this two different topics because of her thing was, I mean, it's, it's related, but it's also separate. So here's the thing. When the news came down that she was uh, stepping down again, everybody just assumed that, Hey, she's just doing what she did before, mm. before she got brought back up. But then she also added in the fact that she was resigning altogether, which is what everybody was like, Holy shit, what is happening? Now there's reports coming out that her and Vince um did not see eye to eye when it came to uh, aspects of the company and stuff like that, they don't her and triple H don't want it to be sold and stuff. What do you think about Stephanie being out of the picture completely now? Like legit out of the picture now?
1: Um, a little weird. Uh, it tells me that there's not really that much of a plan for Vince to leave the company to her or there is. And she's just like, fuck it. I'll get it when you're gone. Um, so, I guess you can't really glean much one way or the other from there, but it is weird to not have her involved in the company at all anymore. And apparently, a lot of the talent were like pretty down on that. They said that she was really good for the company and, you know, was pretty interactive with them and stuff. And a lot of not yeah, even exactly talent, yeah, the women's office stuff. Yeah. Staff stuff. I heard, yeah. I saw
0: a lot of stuff about the women's division probably possibly going majorly downhill now because of her absence.
1: And it's still pretty involved in it. But, you know, you would think that Triple H wouldn't let it go downhill either. Um, I know she had well, to But
0: does, does Triple H get spread too thin? That's the problem. Well, this is,
1: that's the same thing that I was saying about Tony Khan buying WWE. I'm like, bro, he's already having a hard time just setting up ROH shit, let alone folding all the WWE talent into it. It'd be crazy.
0: Well, that's why um, I, that's why I made the joke that, hey, he should just sell it back to Triple H and Stephanie after they cut Vince out. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's what he should do. Just sell it just to WWE give it to hey, him, you guys give can to him, run him, it. But under, it to the, him under the condition yeah. that we get one joint pay-per-view a year for the remainder of our existences, like yeah, that would and be I cool get, as fuck. And,
1: and I get to book it. Well, I mean. <laughs>
0: No. But yeah, yeah but um, that would have been fucking hilarious. I mean, obviously that's too many moving parts and it'll never happen. But I, that was yeah. my my dream booking because we like we said, at one one company owning everything is just not good for the business in in total. So that was my way to get around Vince and still have Triple H and Stephanie have it, and then we all as fans get to have our little for our major forbidden door that we wanted between the two companies or whatever, which would be badass.
1: Speaking of forbidden doors, did you see that? Uh, it's um, Darby Allen versus Kushida.
0: Yeah. Jesus By the Christ. way, I was going to ask you, where was Kushida at at Wrestle Kingdom? I don't know. I, I was surprised he push wasn't push in that junior heavyweight title match.
1: Yeah.
0: But if yeah, I'm probably, hyped for that.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I know that he's got a, GC, uh, he's got a GCW match coming up against... Somebody I don't um, but yeah, I don't know. So, the Stephanie McMahon stuff, Um, we kind of already touched on it, but they, there were backstage reports that they were having... Communication issues, they had to use Nick Khan as an intermediary between her and, uh, Hunter on one side and Vince on the other side, which is fucking crazy, kind of, um, like, to, to, to not be aware that the influence that you're trying to exert is causing that much stress on your family, and, like, to the point that you have to have somebody talk between you to get messages across is fucking insane to me, but, you know, it seems like the kind of person that's not a great communicator, so... Like, he's, he's a good communicator for what he wants, but he's not a good communicator for compromises or, like, hearing other points of view that aren't guess meant to him, apparently. So,
0: you know. Um, from uh, from Fightful, by the way, I will say this, because um, you had mentioned the buffer part, which is mm-hmm. accurate. Um, Fightful also added that it was noted to them by several sources at WWE headquarters that when Stephanie's team was dismantled, a usually composed Stephanie was disheartened and frustrated about how it happened. So. She had had a team, and then they got fucking annihilated, lit up by Vince and company. So, and she couldn't do nothing about it, basically. So, that was another. Do you remember the why. first time? That I don't she know if that's resigned? why she left the first time. Possibly, it could have been also a reason why she left the first time. And Then, when she came back as CEO after Vince stepped down, she probably brought a bunch of those people back, and now they're probably gone again. And she was like, "Now, nah, fuck this. I'm tired. I'm tired of doing this."
1: Yeah, I feel like. Um... Yeah, that might be, I mean, definitely part of it. She knew he was coming back and was like, fuck, I'm not doing this anymore. But um, do you remember the first time she resigned, there was a bunch of articles that came out that basically were like shitting on her performance in that role. They were just yeah, like, yeah, she wasn't. Is,
0: well, but there's was a lot of people that came out for her that actually worked for the company that said that wasn't true. Not Now, not Vince's people. Now, now right. we know that those were Vince's people because they were trying to get her the fuck out because they were ass-kissing Vince, right? But as far as talent and shit goes, they're like, no, nah, that's not fucking true. We love Stephanie. Yeah,
1: ass, yeah. you know. Weird politics to have between family members, it feels like. Especially By the when way, you're out placed. of
0: the three, out of the three between Stephanie, Triple H, and Vince, Stephanie's the best, like, actual person. Like, humanly, she's the best person. Like, Triple H has all the past stuff with Barry and people back in the day, and mm-hmm. Vince is, obviously, we all know Vince's shit. I think Stephanie's, like, literally, from top to bottom, the best person out of the three, and that, was, that would be the person I would have run it, honestly. Well, we, As far as what we know, obviously.
1: We, yeah, we have less insight into her as a person. But here's the thing, too. You don't grow up with a dad like that and turn out real normal. So <laughs> just, it's entirely possible she's done some bad shit, too. But we'll probably never hear about it. It's just different. Um, and, you know, that's complete speculation. Don't forget, But, like, uh, yeah, I... The whole thing is, actually, it makes me a little sad. It's just like, god damn, dude, you, you're 77 years old and, like, are so desperately clinging on to your... Your baby that you're fucking up communication with your extra baby, <laughs> like it's so, it's so weird to me. But you know, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's clearly a,
0: it's clearly one of those situations where you love what you created more than you love what you created. <laughs> like it's fucking <laughs> weird, dude. It's fucking yeah. crazy to me. Yeah, it's a little weird. Crazy to me when you could give the thing that you created to the person that you created, yeah. like and That's, it could keep going. That's so fucking mind boggling. Why would you want somebody that you don't know?
1: Running just the just company that you
0: spent it. so long to build. Because, no, because he thinks
1: that as part of whatever deal he makes that they're gonna, he's going to be able to say, well, I want you to keep me in power. Sort of like the Dana White USC thing. When he sold to the... Uh, I, know, I always forget their names. But the brothers. Um, he was like, well, I'd like to be kept on like in a pretty big role. You'll still... You'll own it. It'll be your company. I won't own it anymore. I'm selling it to you, but I'd like to still be here to do booking and um, like booking the matches and like be the president or face of the company or whatever.
0: He might yeah, be like, How much baggage might... did Dana White have at that time when that happened? Not that
1: Like, he'd said a bunch of stupid shit in public before, but nothing crazy. Like, yeah, nothing, nothing like, like
0: this. That's my point. Yeah. And it wasn't like Vince. Is not, it's not like, like we mentioned earlier in the first segment of the show, it's not like Vince is going to run out of money before he passes away. Dude, so it's irrelevant. He
1: wouldn't run out of money. Hold on, i want to pull this figure for you.
0: That's why I'm saying he's killing his own company for no other reason
1: you than could, just to you kill could, his own company. Here's Here's what people don't understand about having a billion dollars. You could spend $5,000 a day for over 500 years before you run out of money. $5,000 a day before you run out of money he's 77 years old this man's got like 10 years left probably maybe less and people are acting like oh well you know maybe he just wants his money he's got his fucking money you want your money you want to keep majority of the fucking company too? sell 10 percent of the shares you, you wouldn't like it's so fucking insane to me dude yep money and power do crazy so shit but that's what mean. i'm saying i don't think it's about the money at all for him i think it's literally like this is my creation I didn't think it could live without me and now I'm fucking pissed off that it is and I'm going to come back and take control of it because it's hurting my fucking ego. That's literally what it is to me.
0: Alright, we're going to go to the last topic of the day. It is FTRs. Most uh, We're going to talk about FTR and uh, the comments that Dax has made on the podcast. 1st first, first talk about his first episode with CM Punk and then we'll get into the bigger one which is kind of crazy. It came out of nowhere, but we'll talk about that as well. But the CM Punk one... Where he basically said um, a couple things, obviously, that jumped out. He had a bad vibe from Colt, by the way. And I'm on the record as saying, I don't think Colt is the uh, perfect human either. I've seen some shit about Colt Cabana as well. Obviously, not as much as CM Punk. But I will say that everybody just jumping on like Colt Cabana some angel. Uh, not true. And Dex pointed out that he didn't get a good vibe from Colt. And Colt was making fun of his uh, southern accent when they first met. Um, I don't have any reason to believe that Dax would lie about somebody that's still under contract with AEW that he knows has a lot of friends in the company to just say this on the first episode of his fucking podcast. Dax is a very honest and straight up dude from what what, what I've been able to tell. So I will take him at his word. Um, And he also said that he hopes, and for some reason got heat for saying this at the end of the podcast... That he hopes, and it's the same shit that every goddamn wrestling fan that's a CM Punk fan has been saying. I hope that they can get past this, talk it out, work it through, work through it, and have a relationship, uh, even if it's just a working one, because you can make a shit ton of money still for AEW as a whole for the next five to ten years. Probably more like five with Punk, obviously because of his age, but you get what I'm saying. Like it could set them up for the next ten years easily, money wise, but for five to ten years, because of star power with with the, with the star power and dream matchups that CM Punk brings, even in the trios division with the CM FTR that everybody was thinking was going to happen or whatever. Um, so your thoughts on him getting heat for his comments on that first, and then we'll move over to the bigger podcast, which was his last one, where he mentioned the future, the immediate future of FTR.
1: My thoughts when I first heard about it was, I, my, my gut reaction, like my knee-jerk reaction rather, was they're overreacted. But then the more I thought about it, you have to understand, like, in the not even talking about, like, the the actual backstage fight or any of that, the shit that he was saying at the press conference basically buried the whole fucking company. He buried, like, one of the top guys in the company who's, like, universally liked. Nobody's got a bad thing to say about Hangman, except for CM Punk, for some fucking reason. He went out and he talked shit about Hangman. He talks shit about the quality of the company. He made it seem like it was second rate. It was being run by children who can't run a fucking target or whatever. Like when you say shit like that or, and on top of that, when you bring a bunch of discord to the locker room, you can look at it from a business perspective and say, yeah, we could bring a lot of, he he could bring in so much money if he like came back and was just nice and like, uh, apologize and all that shit. But it's kind of like when you, when you get toothpaste out of the tube, there's some toothpaste you're not gonna be able to put back in the fucking tube. It's out, it's done. There's no fixing some things. Um, And it's like, it seems like that's the vibe that a lot of people have, which is even if you come back and you're all glad, handy and smiley and fucking, I'm so sorry, man, I I was stressed out. I knew I was injured, I said some dumb shit. At the end of the day, you still said it. You still made people feel a certain way. There were still issues in the locker room from you being there even before you said those things. And if I'm in that locker room environment, and I'm a guy, like, I I don't know. I'm a guy that, like, I don't have a problem with punk. Um, I'm a guy that was having, like, a pretty good time in the company. Shit felt good. Shit felt harmonious. Everybody was getting along. He comes in. The whole vibe changes. I don't care if he comes back and, like, can make a bunch of money and merch for himself or can draw a bunch of tickets on shows that he's headlining because at the end of the day, he's, like, making everybody else uncomfortable, making everybody else feel shitty, making everybody else feel like they work for a second-rate company, like, all that shit. And you know that that's what he thinks because that's what he said when he was, like, in his press conference and had the opportunity to speak his mind about shit. So even if he comes back and apologizes, yeah, I can see where some people don't want him, like, no matter what apologies he makes, no matter what money he can draw, to be back there. he's
0: just a bad vibe for the fucking locker room. Okay, so... But do you think that warrants heat on Dax Harwood for saying the same shit that everybody else has been saying as far as so, the people that are on Punk's side or not really on his side but wanting to see him back rather? To me, I would feel like,
1: hey, you care more about the company like making a little bit more money and your friend coming back than you care about other people in the locker room's comfort. And that seems weird to me. That's what the heat would be.
0: Well, here's the thing about… I think the heat was more on. Well, he got heat for both comments, but I think a lot of heat was on the cult cabana shit too. But here's the thing: is uh, let's say let's say they don't bring CM Punk back ever, right? Yeah. AEW folds in a year. It's not gonna happen. But let's just say that happens. That wipes away pretty much all the fucking shit that FTR did. No one's gonna take the, their their accomplishments as seriously in his eyes. That's what he's thinking because he wants AEW to last for a long ass time. He wants it to last fifty years like WWE because then everybody will talk about hey they accomplished something in aw and it's not an inferior product and all this other kind of shit it's not I don't think it was necessarily he was trying to bury the rest of the thing and saying that he agreed with punk or anything because he clearly said that punk fucked up right in the podcast so uh or alluded to it he didn't say it outright right. but uh he implied it so him saying that I don't think he should have got any heat for saying what everybody else is thinking and not necessarily in the locker room, obviously, like you said, because there are people that are thinking like Dax, and there are people that are on the complete opposite side of Dax. So we got Jericho has been very adamant about not bringing him back. Although, let's be honest, Jericho don't have the cleanest rap sheet either to be making that claim. He's definitely Um, a publicer
1: too, but when you also have it from guys like Moxley, then it starts to change a little
0: bit. Yeah, but has Moxley said that publicly, though?
1: Alluding to it in a
0: promo to use it for a promo isn't the same.
1: Yeah, but he—I don't think he would do that if he didn't feel it on some level either.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I—I'd have to wait to see if Moxley ever says anything about it. But because him and him and Punk aren't like super tight, but I think they're, they of, are because of because of Renee. Obviously, they are. They are obviously cordial at that at the minimum. Um, well, you, so. you look
1: at who stepped up after Punk left and was like, "Hey, we're gonna get this shit back in order." It was Danielson, Jericho, Moxley.
0: Yeah, which so. I, I get that, but. Also, there's a saying, time heals all wounds, so we'll see. But there's also, you got the Jericho who's just like, oh, as long as I'm here, he's never coming back. I'll make sure of it, type deal. I'm like, okay, man, let's pump the brakes a little bit.
1: Um, Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that because that that just comes off also like super politicky and weird to me, too. Because if everybody else in the locker room, not saying this would be like hypothetically reasonable or plausible, but if everyone else in the locker room suddenly gets on the same page and they're like, you know what? He's apologized. He's very sorry. He says he's going to be chill. We all believe him. He's cool with us now. We've all individually talked to him one on one, and he's made us all feel better. Jericho, at the end of the day, should have no fucking say versus all of that. So that that was a weird thing to say to me. So
0: I think uh, I think the more that time goes by, you're seeing more wrestlers come out and not necessarily take a side or anything, but have. Act, act like they don't have a problem with punk, right? So you got the Brody King obviously you got, thing, yeah. Yeah, you got the Brody, yeah, you got the Brody King, you got the F T R, you've got Dan Housen, you've got all these people that are in the company and uh in prominent positions, which I think actually helps Punk in the long run because if these guys can come around and whatever have you and didn't have an issue with them, then uh then what's stopping somebody from that didn't have anything to do with it? Unless you're Omega the Bucks page Right? And possibly Khan, too, because he was sitting right there the whole time. Like, Jericho, for me, Jericho, irrelevant to it, to me, honestly. Well, he's irrelevant to the the immediate
1: situation, but he would have been affected by whatever issues were coming up in the locker room at the time, too, even before the all-out stuff. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. I... I don't think he should have no say in it, but I do feel like I feel like his say isn't as important as like you were saying the Bucks and Omega and Kit uh, and Page. But no, I mean he was in the same locker room. He was experiencing the same issues. He was experiencing the same like levels of disharmony from Punk being there that apparently people have have come out since and talked about. So no, I mean he's got some say in it. Uh, I wouldn't say he has no say just because he wasn't there.
0: Well, I mean, I've said this from the, i said this from the beginning of it after, well, after it already happened or whatever, and it was still raw and everything, and you were, I mean, you neither one of us has switched sides really. I did, uh, I did wait a little bit before I was like, uh, okay, CM Punk fucked up, until after more information came out about it and stuff like that. But eventually, I feel like me and you kind of got closer to the middle than when we first initially started, and you were definitely like, fuck Punk, don't bring him back, which you still are pretty much. But I'm more on the side of, yeah, you fucked up. Don't bring him back unless. So I'm more on that side. Um, And there's a lot of unless, by the way. There's a lot of stuff that he would have to do before I would like bring him back. Even as the biggest or one of the biggest CM Punk fans out there. So, um, but I think it really does, even if it's minimal, help him with the Brody King post or the post on Maxwell Jacob Friedman stuff where he's dicking around with him or the Dak Tarwood mentioned him on his podcast and talking about him out the gate and stuff like that. I think this all kind of goes to him. Even the posts where he's by himself working out or uh rehabbing and stuff. People are like, "Oh shit, why is he posting this if he wasn't like really still in the process of wanting to stay like in really fucking good shape for a comeback possibly." So, I don't know, but here's my main thing is if the Bucks Omega and Page minimum are not okay with it, then you don't bring them back. It, that's, that's just all there is to it, honestly.
1: I mean, I, I, would think, say I if, think if, if those four a... say
0: okay to Tony Khan and we're cool with it, then no one else has anything to say about it, honestly. See, I, I don't
1: feel like that because, again, like those people can get over the thing that actually happened, but it doesn't mean everybody in the locker room is going to get over how he made them feel like the company that he was working for was like him doing fucking charity. And that's where they work. That's like, you've got people like fucking, let's say, you know, your jungle boy or like Darby Allen or some of the other originals, like Ricky Stars is not original. He was pretty big in the MLW and all that before him, but, um, or NWA. Uh, but even those people, I feel like have just as much of a say in the level of harmony in their locker room. And if he made them feel like, Hey, you, you know, I'm here and it's just like a fucking B class rinky dink company run by some fucking losers. And, uh, you know, I, I work with all these children and blah, blah, blah. Bro, they've got just as much of a say in, in him coming back, too, I feel like.
0: I don't, I don't, I, I feel I don't like think they have a, took- as much of a say, but I, I get what you're saying, too, though. Because, like, it's not like he can't just come in and ignore that it happened either, right? Yeah. So, like, you remember the story where Dax said that he, like, gave out, like, huge Starbucks gift cards to a lot of the women in the locker room and all that kind of stuff? Like, mm-hmm. he's going to have to make constant gestures like that. And I'm not saying buy them off or anything, but you get what I'm saying. Like, you're going to have to... Um, really embrace the locker room as a whole all the time. So right. I, if you're not going to do that, then yes, I agree with you that they have a collective say in that aspect, but not one person like a Jericho. After you, after you made amends with the four that it affected the most, Jericho's not coming in there like, oh, no, if he, if he comes back, I go. Like, Jericho, come on, man. No,
1: I would, say, I would say a minimum of like 85% of the locker room has to be unanimously on board with him coming back for me to be like, okay, fine. Because if you if you go back and you say, okay, we're going to do it by simple majority, like how many of you would be, like uh, we've been talking, uh, Punk's been talking with Omega and Paige and they've smoothed things over. Uh, we kind of want to do business with this. How do you guys feel about it? And you've got a hundred fucking wrestlers back there who are all, like let's say they're all wrestlers that have some level of like clout or like investment. We're not talking about like-
0: Yeah, or, we're talking like Malachi, yeah. not Fuego. Right. Yeah. Right,
1: exactly. But we're saying, like, we're going to use the number 100 because it's easier. Um, and you had, like, 65 of those people say, yeah, we're good with it. I still wouldn't do it because 45% of your locker room being in, like, that level of disharmony is going to cause an issue with 100% of the fucking locker room. Um, so I, I don't know what the solution is. I don't think there is a good solution aside from the entire, like, unanimous consent. To have him come back, or almost unanimous consent to have him come back, like a major super majority of people. Um, but I mean, it's not impossible. I just don't think it's ever gonna happen. He's not, there's always gonna be that, sh- that shadow of doubt about any apology he makes, about any like trying like overtures that he tries to make to like make up for it. There's always gonna be that shadow of doubt because what he essentially said was Hey, I'm working for this company and I'm too fucking good for it. This place is run by amateurs. I don't know why the fuck I'm here. Like, I'm the champion, I just beat your champion, and uh, now I'm fucking up the next program, by the way, by burying that whole thing underneath all this bullshit that I have for Adam Page, of all people, who everyone backstage loves. Like, it's, it would take a lot.
0: All right, let's talk about the other part of the Dax Harwood uh, podcast, his second episode, where the future of FTR. Um, they are going to run out the rest of their contract off TV after dropping all three of their titles. Um, So they lost to the Briscoes, then they lost to Dragon Lee and Jalisco in AAA, and then they lost to Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto uh, in New Japan at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, So they have no titles now, and they are taking their next, what is it, three months, they said, I think, um, to heal and sit back and reflect and make their next decision, because he wants his next decision to be their last decision, or it will be their last decision. So he wants to make sure that wherever he goes, he's valued And that's that's really been... And respected. And that's uh, been pretty much their MO since the beginning and why they left WWE in the first place, right? Yeah. And now, it seemed like there was a possibility of them possibly going back because of Triple H, right? Being in charge and whatever of creative. But now, with the fucking opening headlines that we had, I don't feel like it's that big of a difference or I think it's a way bigger uh, uh, gap in between WWE and AEW. Like, I strongly feel they're going to come back to AEW now with everything that's going on in WWE as of this past week. What do you say?
1: He was definitely putting over Tony Khan as a boss during that podcast too, like in a noticeable way. Um, and when he got directly asked, you know, all this news about uh, WWE coming up lately, he we really didn't want to focus too much on that all of a sudden. Um, so yeah, I, I get the sense that he's also worried about events around WWE and trying to work there again. Because they don't—it's not like they value— it. One of the things that he said that apparently some people got upset about was he really put over the Bucks, too. Talking about, like, you know, they they brought relevance back to tag team wrestling. They made you realize that it can, it can main event a card. Like, not everybody's crazy about their style, but they actually are really good fucking wrestlers, and I don't know why people don't think they are. They would be on my Mount Rushmore. Like, that type of shit is what he was saying about the Bucks. So you look at the difference between how they view pro wrestling— and they're in a position of power, especially tag wrestling, and they're in a position of power over here versus how the other companies use tag wrestling where you have, like, two tag teams, maybe three if you count the Brawling Brutes, that are even remotely in the title picture or, like, anywhere near even, like, upper mid card at this point. And every other tag team is just there to either lose to them and fucking job squash, match, squash matches or just, it like, it shows up once every four
0: months to do nothing. So, yeah, yeah, so I I agree, just... I agree with that. Uh, so that and we've mentioned that before on the show how weak the tag division is over there. Even if they got Gorillas of Destiny, yes, it would be a, a nicer division, but it's still not enough for FTR to come over, right? You know what I'm right. saying? Like, let's be real about it. So, uh, so yeah, I I I feel like AEW is really their only option out of the two because they're not going to spend a significant amount of time for their last contract in AAA or New Japan, right? So that's not going to happen. So AEW, where you could wrestle still for both of those companies, right? and continue your legacy why wouldn't you just go back to aew which you claim that you love so much and you're trying to build this legacy as one of the greatest tag teams of all time and you've already got the smackdown and raw women's or raw women's raw <laughs> tag team titles ta- yeah. tag team titles under your resume so it's not like you're missing anything from wwe anyway right not only that but they also have the nxt ones they're the
1: first wwe triple crown tag team champions what else do you have to do there? Why would you want to go back and wrestle like bullshit matches, work in the house show circuit when your concern is like, oh yeah, I'm 38 or whatever. And I feel like my body is like not working as well. He was talking about like when his, his daughter wanted him to uh, go like play like tea time or whatever with her. And he was like having a hard time just sitting on the floor with her. And that's where that whole conversation started was like, fuck man. Like I'm getting old. I want to still be able to do stuff when I'm older. I got to start looking for my exit plan and figure out what that is. Whatever I do next would probably be my last thing. Um, you don't want your last thing to be the, the WWE circuit. Not with all the live shows. Not with all the like constant like, five days a week wrestling. Not with all the time away from home. He's got so much more time away from home on the WWE thing. Unless he's able to sign a deal that says, hey, we're not working any fucking house shows. We work one show a week and pay-per-views, and that's it. Like If you can get something like that, then maybe.
0: But even yeah, then, but you're the not thing, cementing even even your it, legacy against two fucking teams. The, last, the, the live show thing is such a big deal to me, and that's why... I think AEW is slowly getting into it instead because they have a lot of older people on their roster. They're not going to be able to do that shit. It's going to break down too fast. Um, And I don't think people realize how old their roster is. Like, they have a lot of young dudes, don't get me wrong. But they got an old roster too at the top. Like, a lot of people in top spots. So, Christian Cage, um, Matt Hardy, uh, Kenny Omega, uh, FTR, um, Eddie Kingston's up there uh cesar so or claudio's up there so like they've got a, a danielson is not gonna wrestle much longer obviously either sting is
1: going sting said this is his last yeah year. sting
0: said he's about to retire he's about to do his little tour thing probably after the muda one's over um which sucks too because i really want him to hold at least the tag titles with darby and aw before it's over or or a trio's title i really want him I, under one of these fucking title histories in AEW because i think he I, deserves it after all, i this feel like his his going out might be beating
1: Darby for the title and then losing it back to him as his like last match or something. We'll see.
0: Yeah, i, I but remember when I said earlier that I I thought Darby was gonna turn? You yeah. can't turn Darby. You you just can't because he's not believable as a heel. No, you don't have to turn either one of them. No, no, you I sit. agree with you. I'm just saying based yeah. on I mean, I saw the look you gave me when I said, Oh, I thought Darby was gonna turn heel. Like yeah. I didn't say I was gonna agree with it if he did. I'm just saying right. you can't turn Darby can never be healed dude. He can't be. He's just too small to be a heel. It makes no sense. Can't work a heel style when you're smaller than everybody else. Just hit him with a chain
1: all the time. Um, <laughs> no. So what I was thinking is like you tell the story of like, look, I don't have a problem with you, but I need to test you before I leave, and then
0: have Sting win. Yeah. Make sure you're ready. You yes. can do this without me, type deal. Yeah. Right. And yeah, Then, and then that he beats him like you no, tell you're not ready and yet. Come yeah, back yeah, yeah. 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 I yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. I like, I like that idea. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, I think I think there's really no other option besides. Uh, FTR coming back to AEW, honestly.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're not going to go till you know, the impact circuit or any bullshit like that. They're never going to do it. There's nothing in it for them, unless they really want the impact tag team championships for some fucking reason. But you can do that while you work for AEW. There's no reason to do that. Um, If they wanted another IWGP run, you can do that while you work for AEW. Still keep a lighter schedule. There's, I just, with the specific reasons that he's given, Mostly about like wanting to be around his family more, not wanting to put a whole lot of more wear on his body, all that shit. WWE just makes no fucking sense at that point. So I, I don't see them going anywhere else. They may, He may just say, look, like maybe I don't want to wrestle at all anymore. I feel like I've done everything I want to do. This three months has passed. I'm almost 40. Uh, we're considered like one of the greatest tag teams of all times, if not the greatest. We just had a run where we had three different major promotions belts at the same time. We've already had the AEW Tag Team Championships. We've done everything there is to do in WWE like we're
0: fucking done. I can see that. Do you think any of it m- might have anything to do with it after the three months have passed if there's any news or, no- or non-news on the CM Punk situation since they wanted to team up so bad to do the CMFTR thing in the trios division? I, I would
1: say that if it looks like Punk is going to come back, he'd be more inclined to say and do some trio stuff for them for sure. Because that's like,
0: like you said, they've already done everything. So, like, that's the one thing in AEW that they haven't done that they kind of alluded that they wanted to do. So, so that would be the one thing I could think of, off the top of my head, that are like, okay, let's go back and try to do this.
1: And they've they've had to have made so much fucking money at this point. Like, again, like back to the money thing. He lives in, I want to say Tennessee now, and he kind of alluded to like opening a coffee shop in North Carolina and some shit like that because he's from here. He went to U.S.C.W. Like he.
0: No, so, yeah i know he used to bounce in a bar he used to bounce in a bar in uh in uh wilmington yeah yeah my so, friend uh my friend giovanna actually knew him as the when he was the bouncer mm-hmm. at, at a specific bar so yeah
1: yeah so i mean and i lived downtown in that city so like uh you know there's plenty of uh opportunity for him if he wanted to come back home or like wanted to i, I know he lived out in Asheville for a little bit too Uh, which for y'all that don't know is like four and a half hours away from to the west but it's like a more mountain type area but he apparently lives in tennessee now he's talking about like retiring and opening a coffee shop and opening a training school he's all he's talking about him and um cash opening a wrestling school which would be pretty cool too um so he can still be involved in the business without putting more terror on his body i feel like he's done everything there is to do if his concern is more family time and his concern is like not wanting to fuck up his body more and being able to live like a long healthy life all that stuff I could very easily see the end of this three months coming up and him just saying, "Look, man, uh I think that's it for me. I've got nothing else to do."
0: That I, I agree I agree that. with that, but here's the thing is if if cash isn't done, do you mm-hmm. think that influences the decision as well? Like maybe I'll hang on a, for another year with you or whatever.
1: It I mean it, it definitely could. It definitely could, but I feel like I feel like just, and again, this is so parasocial, and we're trying to guess what their relationship is like just based on what they've said in podcasts and stuff, but I feel like Cash would be the kind of guy who, like, if Dax was doing it to not fuck up his body more and to spend more time with his family and all that stuff, I don't think he'd want to, like, pressure him into doing another year either way. He'd be like, no, nah, man, I'm good. I'm going to keep wrestling for a little bit. It's been, like, super great. Like, obviously, we're, all, we're always going to have that together. I'm going to do, I'm going to go do, like, a little singles run or something, see what's up, and then probably leave too. Who knows? Do you
0: think that with the singles run that cash or that Dax had in the middle of all this too was part of it just in case he didn't come back. So he could say he had those singles matches with all those guys. Yeah, maybe could be, I yeah, mean, cause it, it kind of is... felt like it was almost like a retirement tour. Like for a him, bucket know? list tour. Yeah. 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 That's like what it felt yeah. like. Mm-hmm. All right. That. So that's going to do it for the show today, guys. It was awesome. It was a huge show, um, which we knew it was going to be obviously with the first two weeks of the new year. Season 4 is officially upon us on the Monster Cast. Um, we'll be back next week as well, and hopefully we get some more action uh, and developments in these fucking huge stories that's been happening. So, like, the Vincent Mann, the Stephanie, the Sasha, or Mercedes now, Mercedes. Um, some more dynamite stuff. with the, After the mini pay-per-view, where do they go from here to set up Revolution? Because you know they're going to have to start setting that up soon. Um, you got Ringo on a Supercard of Honor that's also coming up very soon. I think that's in the, February. And then, of course, Battle well, the Valley, Valley. Valley for New Japan. So, you know, a lot of shit coming up. And, you know, don't forget Royal Rumble on the 28th. So, that's a big thing as well. That's my favorite pay-per-view of the year for uh, WWE. So, I'm pretty hyped for that. I actually have uh, uh, bought from Ollie's. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Ollie's, but it's um, kind of like a better version of Big Lots. If you have a Big Lots, it's a better version of that. If you don't, it's, you, you should know yeah. what Ollie's is. But, anyway... Uh, I bought a WrestleMania steel cage challenge plug and play. And we also have a Johnny Gargano autograph eight by 10. We'll be giving those away during the Royal Rumble at my party here that I'm having at my house uh, with the Royal Rumble matches. So if whoever wins the women's Royal Rumble match, will get the plug and play. And whoever wins the men's Royal Rumble match, will get the autograph. So what we do is put the 30 numbers. There's not a match happening at his house. You were yeah. picking numbers. Put the thirty numbers in the hat. <laughs> Everybody goes around until all the numbers are gone, yeah. and then uh, you have to go for whoever the fuck comes out. And then if you're if your guy wins, uh, then obviously you won. So yeah, so that's what I've been doing that for years. This is my first ever uh, wrestling party here since I've moved though, so this is, should be interesting. It'll be awesome. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll obviously have a big show set up for that as well for. Uh, what? That's two weeks away or whatever. We'll be do we doing predictions for that. That's on a Saturday, by the way. So we're gonna have to do a Friday prediction show for that one. Um. So the twenty seventh of January. Um. But yeah, I'm very hyped for that. Thank you guys for joining us, and hopefully this year continues to be just as crazy as twenty twenty two was. We're off to a hot start. I'll tell you that. Like it's not slowing down at all in twenty twenty three so far. Um. But yeah, that's gonna do it for the show. Thanks for joining us. Deuces.